Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Looking to throw downfield and it's intercepted. Underthrown and Kobe Savage has the pick. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Johnston in motion. Play fake. There wow, it is. The tight end Wiley. Wow. Good job, Jim. Timmy B. Three sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since nineteen fifty-two. Another third down. Plumley in trouble. Gets away. Going to run it across the 30, down to the 25, still on his feet, down to the 10, almost to the five yard line. That's what John Rice Plumley can do for you at quarterback. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Williams wants the fade, stoops in the end zone for a touchdown, Oklahoma. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. 39-yarder blocked. Picked up the Cowboys' Corey Black. 
hit by the turf monster, but can't be stopped. Another special teams touchdown for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And here we go on this Tuesday afternoon as we hit uh, just past the midway point of the month of July and SEC media days going on. Mountain West about to have theirs. And, of course, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and so many more. And uh, David Smoke, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke will take you up until 6. Tyrell Kirkham, who's the Big 12 chief marketing officer, who's the one that is a lot of these ideas that Brett Yormark gets credit for, and deservedly so, uh, Tyrell Kirkham is the one that handles a lot of the marketing. He was at Rucker Park. So was Jerome Tang and Scott Drew, among others. We will hear from him. And one of the great questions I hope we could ask him, not sure it's great, about how many times has Brett Yormark given you an idea when you, you kind of stared back at him with a blank face or vice versa. So we'll have that with Tyrell Kirkham at some point in the 3 o'clock hour. Let's start with this, though. Last night or yesterday, the Mountain West Conference had their meeting and trying to figure out what they're going to do with San Diego State. You know the story. San Diego State wrote a letter, kind of they thought just kind of teasing that they might leave. The Mountain West Conference commissioner said, okay, goodbye. We accept the, uh, the, I guess, the departure, and then back and forth a couple of more ways. I'm sure legally that could be kind of fun in the end. But they did meet last night. Michael Ziegler, or Mark Ziegler, who we've had on, I have saw this from some national reporters too, that nothing has really come down. And I sent Mark a note, and he said he has not heard anything, even from San Diego State sources that he has within the university. And he says that's probably because the Mountain West Conference is trying to put together something legally about whatever the penalty will be as far as the departure, the letters, and what will be next with the uh, Aztecs. I I get that everybody wants money and all this, but... If they said they were leaving and then they didn't leave and you didn't actually lose them for a year, what are you penalizing them for? Just being rash and because bringing Because the negative. bylaws say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. There'll, there'll be a fine, and that's what okay. it is. I just I think that if they drag this out and get caught in the weeds anymore, they're going to kind of look silly because, you know, what's changed for them in reality other than a really impatient and hastily sent letter? Well, Not I think much. if you don't enforce your rules... And yeah, what, I mean, you got to enforce them, but yeah. Right, so if San Diego State's sitting here going, hey, we're going to sit here and toy around with your bylaws so that we get what we want in the end, what's to stop every other school in the conference from doing that eventually? Yeah, good point. I mean, like, that's that's where I think they're coming from, is they got to hold the line somewhere, or else everybody's just going to be like, oh, no, just kidding, take backs. We didn't really send that meaning what we thought we were saying what we were meaning from the first time, so I think that's what you got to do if you're the Mountain West. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as this chapter goes i i don't know what to believe and i don't think any of the information we're really reading out there is is all that uh reliable either on this because there's there's not really much that it's been said publicly so you know trust who you feel like you can trust on this but i'll be lying if i say i've got any clue what's going on behind closed doors right now i would imagine that they you know are cordial and are trying to find out the best solution for both parties but what that means i don't know and i'm just fascinated and looking forward to this pac-12 media day on uh, Friday, just simply to hear what Klyovkov has to say about just sort of where the state of things are because that directly affects San Diego State and could give us a better indication of where all of that sits and whether or not they're going to be officially going back to the Mountain West or going independent or, you know, eventually going to the Pac-12. Uh, I don't know if we'll get those answers concrete on Friday, 
you know, as far as the Aztecs go or SMU possibly joining, but I do feel like we'd have to at least get somewhat of a hint, right? I mean, you got to at least drop a hint at media days uh, to satisfy just your people. Don't don't care about, you know, the media out there that wants to know. But I think just for your own fan base's sakes, you got to give them a little something to nibble on Friday after this long wait. So very curious to hear you know, what kind of indications there may be as, as far as where this all is. But I, I'm shocked that there's not at least some sort of a leak somewhere uh, that Mark Ziegler got a hold of that would give you some type of an idea of, you know, what's going on. So that's very interesting that it's been kept quiet. Well, and, and that's why he thinks that. And I asked him, I said, have you not heard anything from those of you, or those you can count on at San Diego State, uh, or are they right now just kind of puckered up? And, and that's not being negative or sarcastic, kind of puckered up because it's so sensitive with what might be going on. Now, today at Rucker Park in Harlem, this is part of the Big 12 and the uh, promotions and a lot of the newness of what they bring to the table, what Brett Yormark and his staff have been bringing to the table. There's a picture of uh, part of the blacktop, uh, obviously the Big 12 banner, the basketballs, the T-shirts, Big 12 in the park. And then also uh, Scott Drew said that had a great time, but he was worried. He told us this yesterday on the show, worried about the weather. There was a lot of basketball, but they had to shut it down a little bit early. And there's, a, 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 I guess, a tweet from Scott Drew from Rucker Park. Again, Tyrell Kirkham will join us at some point here, we hope, in the 3 o'clock hour to discuss that particular promotion. Yep, in New York City, where basketball's pretty pretty damn big. Yeah, and uh, look, the, you know, you never know what's going to happen and getting kids excited about coming to your school one day and making a fan. And the, the thing about New York City is it's one of the best basketball places you can ever go for talent. It's huge. Everybody loves basketball there. Uh, and, you know, the bigger time basketball, college-wise, is not really in New York City. So you've got kids who you know, are going to have to go somewhere else to, you know, make it on the big stage, it might as well be you, right? I mean, I know St. John's is there, and that's a big deal. But within the city, they're not racking up NCAA titles right now. Most of the best players are are leaving and going somewhere else. If you're the Big 12, might as well make it you. Get You know, make a kid a fan early on so that when one day you make him an offer, he goes, oh, well, I think I might go there. I like that coach when I met him when I was 13 years old. Yeah, I mean, it was cool to see that they had the representation out there that they did, and Mr. New York City, Marquise Noel, was out there uh, representing K-State in the Big 12, and a cool little event from all indications, not like a, you know, a major thing to unpack or anything like that, just a cool camp for kids in New York, and yeah, maybe one of them's the next Marquise Noel, and they end up at K-State as a result of, you know, a, a meeting today with Jerome Tang or something like that, or... Like uh, I saw somebody point out in regards to Scott Drew, how he hosted Jared Butler at a youth camp or whatever, Mm -hmm. and there's a picture of a chubby Jared Butler at like 11 years old, you know, with Scott Drew. And fast forward a few years, and he ends up signing with Baylor and ends up helping them win a national championship and ends up getting drafted in the NBA. And now he's kind of trying to figure his way into a more permanent spot as far as the league goes. But that all started with a camp when he was – a kid and that turned into a national title for Baylor so you know I think that there's probably an example for every school out there that's one that just comes to mind right away Uh, but that's what you're hoping happens you hope that you planted some seeds and that they pay off and you know you just better the game and and better young kids as well um, that you know are just 
out there, you know, maybe playing video games or whatever. And for one afternoon, they got to go learn from some really great basketball minds. So there's there's no harm in that at all, and I think that's a great deal. All right, so there is that. Uh, and, uh, oh, by the way, I want to say hi and shout-out to Michael Burgess. I was at a business this week. I was walking out the door. He kind of reached over and said, hey, are you Smokey? And I said, yes. And sometimes you don't know exactly what might be said. He goes, I listen to you guys and watch you guys every day on 365 Sports and the business here in Waco. And then he said, I've been listening to you on the radio for a long time. And so I always have to like, we've been doing this now for three plus years, but I still kind of like, you do know I'm not on the radio anymore. Technically, we're not. And he said, no, I, I switched over immediately and started watching you guys on three on Sikkim. What was then Sikkim365.com online. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, my my good friend Matt Isetti, who just uh, moved to Austin and work uh, for Learfield with Texas, uh, he was on Channel 10 as the sports director for a long time. And for years, we would be out after he was off television, and people would come and be like, hey, I watched you on the sports last night. He'd be like, no, that, that was Dan. And then after it was Dan, like, some people would come. And then literally a couple years ago, somebody came and said to it, and it was like, you know that's a girl now, right? That's that's on Channel Ten. <laughs> like you yeah. can you can not say that, but people are like, hey, I watched you on the sports last night. And he's like, yeah, people do that forever. Yeah. Twenty years after, maybe you've even be uh, you perhaps have been on television. It's just such an easy thing for people to remember a face of somebody whoever is on the uh, television. All right, rivalries. Somebody put this up. This is Gambling Gauchos. Put this up in his uh, Twitter feed. The names of some of the rivalries of the Big 12. Off to the right, a left, the names of the schools. Uh, just a couple of these are uh, obviously tongue-in-cheek, but uh, the Sunflower Showdown, K-State, Kansas. The rivalry with the two, two of the Christian schools in Brigham, uh, excuse me, in Baylor and TCU. The Dust Bowl with Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. The Space Race with this, UCF and Houston. I that, like that one. That's, that might be my, my favorite one yeah. is the Space Race right there. And they've been playing for a couple of years. I, they, should, they should have called it that anyway, but I, I like that a lot. The Riot Bowl with West Virginia and Iowa State. Help me with this one. Uh, that one I don't know. All right. Tommy Tubber Bowl with Cincinnati <laughs> and Tech. And then Brigham Young and Baylor, the altercation. And then the battle of for John Denver with Texas Tech and also West Virginia. I, I think uh, I think all of these should be adopted. I'm going to have to have explained the Riot Bowl one uh, to me. But uh, so if, if well, if somebody from if you're a fan of West Virginia and Iowa State, maybe there's something there. I don't know. Maybe something from the 30s. I have no <laughs> idea. But there we since, are with that. Since Tommy Tuberville uh, left both these schools in the lurch. Uh, then I think that the loser should get the trophy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great point. So uh, again, gambling gauchos, very well done. And I'm sure if you have a, a game between the schools in the uh, Big Twelve, yes, obviously Texas OU have had theirs forever. Uh, and if you have one that perhaps was not mentioned there, send it to us in the chat room if you'd like the names of the schools and what you would call whatever the rivalry could be. Now, uh, this is the hypothetical next Big 12 expansion team odds from bookies.com. Here are the odds, and then you got to look at one of the notes. It says, this: the odds reflect that more than one team is likely to join at the same time. But these are the odds as of now from bookies.com. And Colorado 
at the top of the list. I don't think that's a surprise. Whether any of this happens, I don't know. UConn at two, we've heard their name. I was stunned to see Utah uh, three because I don't see them in any way wanting to leave the Pac-12 based on unless there's nothing left, and that's not going to happen. But they are three. Arizona slightly behind Utah. Then Louisville, which is interesting because they're in that grant of rights until God knows when. That would, it gets cold again in this country. Well, if Louisville is is the next to join, right, at any point, say all those, they get down to the odds of Louisville, that means the Big 12 doesn't expand for a very long time. Okay. Arizona State, great article on Kenny Dillingham in theathletic.com, by the way, and what he's doing with the Sun Devils. Memphis jumps back in the fray. And then San Diego State, we know what their situation is. We opened the show with that. That's kind of in limbo right now. And then the field at 1,400, odds are just 6.7% that that might happen. The odds of the field are slightly ahead of San Diego State and the Big 12. This is kind of just a fun thing, but thanks to bookies.com, they sent me the email on the expansion odds if, in fact, it happens and two teams join the Big 12 Conference. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised that, that Colorado is up there. But i got to take this call right now. Yeah, okay, all right. I think uh, it's interesting there's no Gonzaga on that list yep. uh, whatsoever. So, I don't know. I'd have them as a higher bet than I would any Pac-12 school at this point. Um, you know, maybe that's off a little bit, but uh, just interesting to not see them on there whatsoever. Tyrell Kirkham, he is the uh, chief marketing officer of the Big 12 Conference. He joins us on 365 Sports, Paul Catalina, David, and also Craig Smoke. Tyrell, thanks a lot. Rucker Park, I know this was something, some of these new ideas that the Big 12 administration and office is coming up with. I know there might have been some rain issues as well, but now that you've had this event, how did it go? Was it better than you could have expected? Um, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I am over the moon at the uh, the outcome of today's event. We got a little bit of rain, but we got through about 80% of the students and impacted over 200 uh, local local youth of uh, the Harlem area. And, you know, you talk about the new ideas that we've been able to generate. You know, it's beautiful to see them pay off in a meaningful way. When you look at these kids being instructed by 11 Big 12 coaches, including the likes of Scott Drew, Jerome Tang, Boyd uh, Boykins, uh, and a host of others, you know, those those smiles on their faces are priceless. And that's what it's all about. We want to continue to be the best basketball conference on court, but are equally as excited when we can do some feel-good stuff in the community. And for you, just as, you know, getting the word out about, you know, kids in uh, in Harlem may not know about Kansas State or Iowa State as much as they do some of their local things. So um, you're, you're probably building some some pretty enthusiastic young fans of the conference too, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, we surveyed, I'd say about half of them knew the Big 12. They all know us now. Um, the fact that we're able to uh, create an aspirational play, we had Marquise Noel, uh, Nikon Tomlin from K-State, as you know, they went mm-hmm. on that epic run last year and being able to connect the dots between them being raised in Harlem and coming to K-State and putting on for their city and for the city of Manhattan, Kansas as well. That is aspirational. They can come back and tell those stories to the youth and say, you know, you may not go to school nearby, but you can still have an impact and come back and give, you can give back to your community in a meaningful way. Tyrell, all these coaches have their various camps and things that they're a part of, but I'd imagine to be outside in New York City at Rucker Park, just got to be a bit of a different feel. What's kind of the early returns you got from folks like Scott Drew on their experience today? Oh, 
it was a uh, coach Drew in particular. He he left smiling, uh, just you know how rewarding it's been. And you know he was on our coaches blitz a couple weeks uh, last year to kick off the college basketball season. Him coming back uh, for this moment, uh, it, you can just see the excitement on their faces. And um, I think for us, that that's the most rewarding part of this entire process. Um, to you know, at some point, we were talking about twelve and under today, but some of these same kids could certainly be part of their recruiting cycle in future years. And, um, to start with the feel good, and then ultimately end up with other opportunities as people continue to familiarize New York City being synonymous with the Big Twelve, despite us not having a team here. That's what us building our brand and, and telling the Big Big Twelve story is all about. Tyrell, how many times since Brett Yormark arrived, and obviously you joined the staff at a part of the administration, have you guys had brainstorming sessions, and not just the two of you, where both of you stared at the other one with a blank face, or has it always almost been, man, that that damn sure makes sense. Let's do it. Um, You know, we throw a lot against the wall, and for me, I'm I'm very fortunate. I had the pleasure of working with Commissioner Yormark during his time as CEO of the Brooklyn Nets. I spent six awesome years with him, and he is the sole reason why I made the leap to the collegiate space uh, because I believe in him. I believe in his creative vision. I believe in his uh, empowerment and giving his staff the autonomy to bring creative ideas to the table. And do all of them manifest? By no means. But, you know, we have healthy dialogue and figure out what's most suitable and authentic to the Big 12 brand. And then once we get the buy-in, and you know, our ADs are involved in that process, presidents, student athletes like we try to get full perspective and when we feel like we're going to go in then we go all the way in we don't want to you know misstep we believe in you know creating as holistic and impactful uh, activations as we possibly can do you think you'll you'll see some copycats coming in after you guys as um you know plumbing new york city as a resource for marketing that maybe they've left behind because they are like far away like the big 12 is but there are especially basketball players there are so so many yeah i mean i think for us our sole focus you heard it during media day it's always about the big 12 and how we compare ourselves against ourselves rather than think about what somebody else might be doing in real time or what they might do after uh we do it we certainly think we're innovative and um take credit and, and appreciate the, the sort of energy that goes into our, our, our thoughts. But we also know it's a competitive landscape. You know, if there's a creative opportunity to enhance a conference or an institution, then we encourage them to do it too. I think competition just brings the best out of everyone. And I, you know, the pro experience that I've had, that was the best thing that taught me, you know, working in the NBA, the NFL, MLB for, you know, 16, 17, some odd years. I was working for the Mets and Nets and Rams and my peers were being equally as competitive. But like for me, it was about putting our best foot forward and, and continuing to enhance opportunities for the particular institution or, or team that I was working for at the moment. You got your degree from uh, the university, State University in New York. So to be there today, how much also personally did it mean to you to see that event go as well as it did? Uh, it you know the, the the smell of New York City and, and just being back home. I've been on the road, living in you know L.A., Michigan, uh, and now Dallas. It was it was uh, a, a homecoming on a multitude of reasons. I actually just had a three month old, so uh, mm. to come back to New York and introduce him to my family for the first time while being at Rucker Park and connecting with the place that will always be home is is certainly uh, probably the most rewarding piece outside of you know not to get 
you know, sad or anything because it's actually a joyous occasion. But, you know, a lot of those kids, seeing them grow up and how they were looking at Jerome Tang or, you know, any of the coaches that were there, both boys and girls today, you know, it's aspirational. So as of now with a child at home, it, it, it just pulls at my heartstrings knowing that, you know, the impact that these coaches can truly make on a kid for five minutes of their time or an instruction during a dribbling drill, it has much greater meaning, which, you know, that's all we could ask for. I saw the video of Coach Tang and part of the K-State staff and also Noel, as you mentioned, coming back and just that love among those two uh, and much more. Overall, uh, you know, Rucker Park has an amazing history and tradition. So why, how did, how did that come about? Did you make that contact with them? Did they say, heck yes, let's make this happen? Or was that kind of over time? So oddly enough, you know, during the time that Brett and I were in Brooklyn, uh, we developed a relationship with Eric Adams, who's now the mayor Mm -hmm. of New York City. But at the time, he was the Brooklyn Borough President. So a lot of the things that we need to get across the finish line with the Nets, he was an integral part of bringing them to life. So the first time this idea was sort of brought to life, we said, well, if we're going to do it in New York, we we need the city support. And we reached out found out that he had an initiative involving youth and, and, and sports and outdoors in the summertime to just give kids things to do, um, which for us, again, it always is rooted in authenticity. So to have his uh, buy-in and working with his team and staff in the New York City Parks Department, uh, it was a no-brainer, and hence the reason why you know it, was, it came together so seamlessly, knowing that we had some of those uh, built-in connections. Do you feel, like you said this, that you guys don't worry about what others are saying but it does seem like some of the other conferences are paying attention to the Big 12. Brett's not that, – that doesn't even get on his radar, does it? No, like I said, we're, we're solely focused on the Big 12. Um, I, our competition is ourselves. And I think when we, we, we brainstorm for the benefit of the conference and our success, you know, whether it's tapping into new audiences, whether it's giving us a recruiting advantage for our institutions, um, you know, we are solely focused on, you know, our, our goals and objectives. And then we implement the strategy that helps us achieve those goals. And, you know, we didn't have a marketing department prior to my arrival. And, you know, the, the board and everyone's been very generous to make sure we build out the headcount so that we have the resources internally to really take things to new heights. And um, I think that's been an added benefit for the success of, the conference as of late and 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 that starts and ends with Brett's leadership and his approach Tyrell last thing is that I know there's been a lot of promotions announced there's this stuff that's stuff there's the events going to go on in Mexico City uh, which we talked to Brett about last week at Arlington are there already things or promotions or calendars of events that have not even been released yet or promoted that you guys already have kind of somewhat locked in yes I mean, the one of the one of the priceless messages last week, and I hope everyone heard it loud and clear. We're always going to be happy, but never satisfied, and take pride in one upping ourselves and, and and coming up not just with you know ideas are ideas, but when the ideas have meaning and purpose, it makes the the work more rewarding, and that's where you know I would say our roadmap is we're a year or two years out right now with big ideas. We like to keep the steady drumbeat. And uh, we hope that our Big 12 existing fan base loves to hear it, um, as well as the new members, that, uh, you know, the new fans that we're trying to attract through some of the initiatives that we're bringing to life. Tyrell, we know you're busy. Uh, I know you had a great time. Glad the Big 12 had a 
a great time. Most importantly, the young men and girl, boys and girls who were there who enjoyed that as well. Thank you so much for your time. Well, well listen, one final thing before I go, because, you know, as a New Yorker, uh, it was only right that I'm sitting in traffic right now um, <laughs> approaching the airport. So um, this is this is the, the perfect ending to what was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> you got the full experience, Tyra. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody who's ever been there understands what you're talking about. It, that, that, yeah. Or <laughs> live there. Roll down the window and curse yeah. at somebody so we, we can really get the full thing. Have, have I you... mean, I can have a full conversation with the person to the right of me right now. Uh, <laughs> if, this, if, this is beautiful bumper to bumper New York traffic. We have to tell this story. We were covering the NFL draft the year RG3 went number two in the draft behind yeah. Andrew Luck. And we were yeah. going to a comedy club and we got into a cab. And I promise you, nothing they do in NASCAR when they're bumping and grinding compares to that 15-minute trip that we were inside of a cab in New York City. Nothing. <laughs> no, that's the price of experience. I've got, I've got a multitude of those stories that I could tell for days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Tyrell. Right. Congratulations pleasure. on what you're doing, Tyrell. Kirkham, he's the uh, chief marketing officer for the Big 12 Conference. And again, that quote that he put up uh, about never being satisfied. And he goes, I hope everyone heard that when they were at Big 12 Media Days when Brett Yormark was on stage and any time he was interviewed as well on, on our radio row. You know what cabbies in New York don't have is uh, Uber ratings. So they can do whatever they want, as opposed to an Uber driver who... If is a psycho, you can you know give him a, a one star rating or no stars and move on. But cabbies in New York have no, I mean they they fear nothing. They Union, fear nothing. Right? Yeah. Well, there I you mean, go. Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> fear fear. I, I wonder fear how many. Of, yeah. yeah. How many of them could have actually been um, Jeff Gordon uh, or, or been a success a successful uh, uh, NASCAR driver. I don't know. I wonder that about all these people driving Dodge Challengers and uh, Hellcats all over the roads. Oh, yeah. I wonder why they didn't just trade those in for actual NASCARs half the time because it seems like there's like a clear correlation there between need for speed. Maybe it's just like not not wanting to do it in circles, I guess. I don't know, but it sure feels like there are people attempting to uh, that you see quite often now that would be better served. Like, hey, maybe if you just took that and – Actually, put it like a professional setting. You might be onto something there, yeah. rather than on I thirty five every once in a while. But yeah, who knows the reasons for for most of that? When we come back, yeah, there was discussion today. How long has Texas and the Big Twelve been in existence? Ninety six, right? Yeah. The Big Twelve never could quite comprehend or get their hands around the horns down. Right? There was always a discussion. It was very inconsistent, and it kind of uh, reared its head when Mac Brown kind of brought it up. And I think others did, too. It wasn't always Texas that was whining. Uh, it was a, a lot of people who were. But they discussed it today, and the head of officials of the SEC made more sense in about two or three minutes than anybody did in the history of the Big 12 about horns down. We'll get to that and more. And this is 365 Sports. Thursday morning, I get the uh, temporary crown taken off and the permanent crown put in it. Of course, Stonewood Dental. My dentist is Dr. Steve Childress. I think they're going to work on a, a cavity as well. My bottom left hand kind of cavity that he said he wants to kind of look at. We'll see. But the bottom line is, again, the constant change in my dental work and also the focus on it. Other than the natural, you brush your teeth, that's fine. But he's really kind of taught me about how I have to play catch up on my dental work. 
because I used to just basically every time I that doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. I would just not want to go to the dentist. I was worried about, okay, they're going to stick a needle in the roof of my mouth. Or they're going to stick a needle in my jaw. It was so stupid because now those needles are coming anyway. That work is coming anyway. Not every time because there's also regular teeth cleaning and just the fact that Dr. Childress wants to look at what's happening with my dental work. He is amazing. He's given me confidence in what I'm doing with that, and I have confidence that he's going to get it done. And what he did when he put the temporary crown in before was incredible. I trust him with all of what I do with my dental work, and so should you. If you're looking for a dentist, a new one or just one because you've waited too long, Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress and his staff are amazing in Robinson, Texas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat. How crazy is this? 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport totals values of 4,000 plus 1.9% financing for 72 months. How crazy is that? Well, the 2023 Jeep Compass get 10% below MSRP. That's right. These deals are hot just like our summer days in Texas. Remember, first responders get another $500 in savings. So come find the Jeep that's right for you and say big at Alan Samuels in Waco. Make this the summer sales event at Allen Samuels during the hot days of summer and this month in July get legendary 2023 Dodge Chargers or Challengers SXT GT or RT models your choice with total values up to $2,000 Allen Samuels in Waco is the place for you to shop for your next Dodge shop the greatest selection in Central Texas and find the hot rod for you come by and visit the showroom at Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat see the demons and scat packs they have loaded the sales floor with they won't last long as you truly have the last call models of legendary muscle cars only at Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco Loop 340 east of 84. Pizza, burgers and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice cold drinks, hand stretch stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-thru window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. WacoCustomMarketplace.com Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. The horns down was discussed today by the official, the lead official, head official of the officials of the SEC. I said official quite a bit there. But we're going to get to something else that is a little bit different. Today at 510, after Craig's off the radar, Ross Dellinger, who's now a part of Yahoo Sports, was at SI for quite some time, uh, just put out on his Twitter feed that as far as the Pac-12 and what they have coming up at the end of the week, which is their media days that begin, whatever you were expecting, if the Pac-12 will not announce a new TV deal this week, Sources telling Yahoo Sports likely extending into August the league's year-long pursuit of a rights package. The conference holds its annual football media day Friday in Vegas 
No announcement is expected. Now, I know a lot of people are going to pile on because that's what a lot of people have done. And a lot of it's just as much the misinformation or the teasing by some administrators within the Pac-12. But I, I can't imagine that there won't be – there's going to be questions. You know that. And it'll be interesting how George Klyovkov responds to him. Yeah, I – I don't know how, like, it's going to be tough for him to be able to have to walk out there because he's been able to not have to have media availabilities and all this time while they've been negotiating the deal. Well, he can't, he can't avoid it on Friday. He's going to have to address it somehow. Uh, it's going to be difficult, and he's going to have to talk around it. But, um, it, again, the, the can gets kicked down the road again. And, and even if they do get a deal worked out, the question remains, you know, how hopeful are they that the media landscape is going to change so much in the next five years that the next one will be better and improve for them? Well, August is, by the way, in uh, just over a couple of weeks. So that's, that's not like, you know, it's two and a half months from now. But it is obviously yet another, it appears, based on what Ross is saying, he'll join us at 510, another delay on any kind of media deal announcement. Yeah, or depending on who you ask, was it a delay? Because was there ever meant to be an announcement at media days? And I don't know uh, what... Everybody would say to that, but I can promise you that if you would have told any single person, no matter how pro or anti-Pac-12 they are, that a year removed from last year's media days, they would still not have a media deal to present the following year, everybody would have said that's a failure. I don't care. If they say otherwise, I think they're lying. I I think they are because I I don't see how you could have sat there a year ago from this time and said, all right, they're in line, there's this going on, that going on. I mean, you can t- talk all you want to about the unforeseen circumstances and, you know, networks changing and all of that. But, I mean, to be back all the way around the I, – I, can- I-, I saw an interview with John Wilner. He's the one that I, uh, you know, read probably the most often. Yeah, from the San Jose Mercury yeah. News. Yeah, and, Pac-12 hotline. Yeah, and there was an interview with him on YouTube from last year's media day, and you could play it now, and it would be exactly as relevant as it was back then. Um, like uh, you could, pro- I, and I don't know. I'd have to watch the full like ten minutes to see every single question. But I think you could play like a good half chunk of that interview and just date it differently, and nobody would even know. I mean, other than maybe a comment or two about like a deadline or something like that, because clearly now you fast forward a year, and that whole well the deal's not coming up anytime soon. Well, now it's like it's another year shed off that to where you actually need a twenty twenty four deal. We're about to enter twenty twenty three, so. You know, some of that language would be different. But for the most part, the messaging, like, I think I think he would have been shocked to say, hey, you know, right now, the way you're talking, a year from now, they still won't have anything at this very same event. I don't think he or anybody else, no matter how positive they are and what eventually ends up happening or negative they are, could have sat there and said at the time, oh, yeah, no, that'd be totally cool. So I, I, I think that that's crazy. Uh but not surprising in any way because this has basically been the story this entire time was kick the can, kick the can, kick the can. And I'm not saying they haven't had legitimate reasons to do that. We've been very open-minded on, on their end. We haven't tried to pull the whole, like, tribalism thing, you know, at every every turn we get and death to the Pac-12 and all of that. But it, it you got to admit, like, it's ridiculous. Like, if the Big 12 was still in this position and they had kicked the can down we would be sweating bullets 25 far- times now because, yeah. dude, it, that's not far off. Like, it might actually be 25 times at this point, not even joking. Then if you add up all the president's statements and, and all that type, type of stuff, um, I yeah, I think we'd be sitting here going, gulp, uh, there's some, some big concerns in Big 12 country. Now, I'm not saying that for the PAC, 
But I, I just uh, am amazed that we are still watching this thing unfold and that we've arrived at media days and they're still not going to have anything to present. That's crazy to me because you would think there'd at least be something to chew on. Um, you know, maybe behind the scenes they're giving the – 15th update on like the last hurdle that they have to clear because the satellites were charged too much and now they had to redo those and whatever you know now now it's the big thing now it's uh oh well the cw is not in in uh the seattle market officially so they have to wait for a seat like at some point like how many things pop up where you're like it was christmas last year and they were on vacation that was an actual delay in the negotiations now it's like there's not a cw affiliate so I don't know what to believe. I know there is a lot of BS being flung, um, you know, in, in so many ways just for, for clicks and views. views. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I think in general, like, not having a deal done by media days, even some staunch Pac-12 supporters would have to go like, okay, that's a little wonky. Like, we got we to gotta have something better okay. than that. I know that John writes the Pac-12 hotline. He has a podcast. He's been writing for the San Jose Mercury News and, and covering the Pac-12 forever. But I have noticed, and it may be a good time to get him on, after Pac-12 media days, or even during. But I have noticed that his tone uh, has changed to, hey, something needs to occur. Yeah, he's, re- he's had the quotes from Klyovkov, among others. But, yeah, I think it turned, I don't know if it's the last couple of months or last two or three months or whatever, but I, you could almost sense that his impatience is there as much as anybody else. Okay, and this is according to Stuart Mandel, who um, – has taken a strong um, stance that the pack will be just fine. Yes, he has. Um, and had a very... In fact, the negative about the Big 12 yeah, yeah, a I year mean, ago, like they may not be left. There's some tweets that people saved from receipts. him talking about the Big 12. Yeah, some receipts about the Big 12 would be lucky to this and that and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I've seen those get pulled up, and he just glosses over and, yeah. and probably the best move. But he's a, he's a Bay Area guy, so yes, he's very much okay. entrenched there. And both of them have been on this show and will be in the future. Yeah. It's, it's just that, again... Sometimes things you say don't prove to be smart or it looks silly because it doesn't work out. Yeah, there will be. And I'm talking about what Stuart, what he said about the Big 12. Yeah. Paul? There will be no Pac 12 TV deal to announce at Friday's Media Day. It's in. It's at least in part because we've seen folks come to the table that were not at the table six months ago, a conference source told The Athletic. Now, if that's true, that's great for the Pac 12, and that could mean. CW, ION, all these other things that people were actually talking about six months ago, but uh, the yeah. Pac-12 didn't want to maybe hear about. Uh, so, or maybe they weren't at the actual table, or however that works. But you know, but that's also what has also followed all these things is we're not going to have a TV deal, but there's a good reason for it. You know, a little bit of positive spin on it, which at this point I don't think that the conference needs to be doing because they're just setting their fans up for disappointment if it does go awry. I think that you just need to be boringly matter-of-fact. But what if it's, it's true? Not- what, if, what if it's true, and I don't see why they would lie about it, maybe kicking some of the things down the road, kicking the can, or maybe – uh, you know, kind of pushing a different... Well, what if it actually is true? Well, Why would you not want to I, say that? I don't... Here's the thing. It's true today, but then those people no. could leave the table, and then what you're having to explain to your fans is, well, you told us there are more people at the table. You told us this, you told us that, and then the TV deal isn't he great. He has not really spoken about anything really with realignment in seven months. Yeah, so... Klyovkov. No, and that's why I'm saying the conference needs to just be very... It's boring, 
it's matter of fact, but that's what they need to do because they need to temper expectations because they're trying to get fans excited about something right now that doesn't even exist. And so they need to maybe stop throwing out like there's good news on this and just say it's not done yet. Yeah, it it seems like every time there is like a positive spin on what otherwise would be taken as a negative, it comes from like the same three places every single time, Mm -hmm. every single time. Um, And I I like what our buddy Kendall from the website said. He said, I would not publish an anonymous source for a piece like that. I know Mandel has an actual one, but it's been a year. They should go on the record. And I'm if like this is not even me as a Big 12 uh, you know, guy, so to speak. And it's not like I'm, you know, pom-poms like the SEC – folks or anything like that even it's just we're in the big 12 uh part of the map and we we cover one of the teams on, on a more regular basis um but you know i i'm not even coming at it from a negative angle i just think like yeah if i was a pack 12 fan i'd be like george answer some damn questions and give us some clarity on what's going on here man like rather than just say nothing report comes out deny report in a roundabout anonymous way move on along until something else you know and then just I, I would just want something firm to grasp onto. Maybe Pac-12 fans are different and they don't, and they, they're all just resting assured that it'll be done in the end, and, and maybe it will be, but not having something by media day is just kind of crazy to me, like I said a moment ago. I, I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around that. I mean, I, I get it, but I, I just I feel like we've heard the whole, there's more dance partners than you thought there would be, and that's the whole holdup. And then, oh, it was a complicated deal because they've never really, Apple's never really done streaming and done linear together. Like, there's all these little things that are like, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Well, yeah, but me- it's Christmas. Yeah, but it's a unique deal. Yeah, but it's, and it's just kind of a, it's just, a, it's been a long time this thing's been going on, man. If you who are waiting as a fan of college football, a fan of the Pac-12 or a program, if you're frustrated, imagine how those in the middle oh, of it yeah. are. And some of it might have been when some presidents or ADs have gone on record and said a couple of things and maybe teased it. And maybe they thought that, that what they were teasing was legitimate. Maybe they were told to say that. Uh, this is uh, from Klyovkov in December. Uh, the last time he spoke publicly about the Pac-12's media negotiations, this is in John Wilner's last story in the San Jose Mercury News. 225 days from December 7th to July 21st without uttering a public peep on the topic. There's no need for a rush, he said during the College Athletics Forum in Vegas. We are the last Power 5 conference with our rights available for the next eight years. Uh don't really know what that's supposed to mean that okay we're the only ones left so we can take our time because nobody else is trying to do that and that's been 225 days and maybe it's good that he hasn't said anything maybe it's good but others who are a part of the conference have actually of course we've heard quotes and also we have seen some of what they've said yeah i mean i think that there's definitely some ways the pac-12 as a whole could have gone back and maybe done some things differently i also know that we're not owed anything that you know this is not something a negotiation that's on our time as college football fans or media um but i, I still maintain that if you had told anybody involved even Stuart mandel or john wilner whoever that they would be another year down the road media day wise and would still be talking about the exact same subject that had not changed at all, other than there just being potentially less options and potentially more options, I guess, if like the CW is, 
you know, more of a player than than initially believed. Um, but other than that, I, I think everybody would have had their their jaw drop. No matter, even if you were like, "Well, this takes time," and this a full year, that's kind of crazy. So, um, I guess just remain in patience. All you can really do. I mean, nobody's going to put a gun to anybody's head and make them announce something. But uh, just simply, uh, I think updating would probably be the wise move. And, and I'm sure. We'll hear something like that from Klyovkov. I would hope it's not just something vague like what the presidents have said. We're like, oh, yeah, just trust us. It's coming in any moment now. And, and so I would hope that you've got something a little bit better to present to your fans because you're not just talking to uh, You're talking to your actual Pac-12 fans on Friday. Like, those are the folks that are going to be tuning in. So I'm very curious. I was already curious to hear what that message was going to be. I'm very curious now. And uh, I guess it just all depends on, on where you look, on where this thing actually is. I, I still maintain that they're going to get a TV deal. I still believe that it'll be reasonable enough that not much changes. Um, I know others believe differently, um, but I, I still feel that way. And this doesn't give me any further pause, but, it, man, it's just wild that we're still not going to hear anything by yeah. another media day. Ross Dellinger again joins us today. He's the one that wrote the article for Yahoo. Uh, he'll join us at 510. I, I actually, and, and you know, I've, I've said this before, um, this YouTube video that we've done out on it, I think there are, there are three scenarios, the least likely of which, and like the the less than 1% chance is total collapse and chaos of the Pac-12. Yeah. I, I think that whatever happens at the end of this, there will be a Pac-12, although clearly not what they wanted it to be when they woke up in the morning. Um even if everybody stays together. So that's together. one scenario. That's one that scenario. would have been the L.A. school still in the conference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. been the ideal scenario. Okay, the other yeah. one is is that the Pac-12 sticks together for the most part, and they lose a couple teams because even though the media deal may not be that different, they just look out ahead and say, this isn't trending in the right direction. We're going to be back here in a couple years. Let's just go now and, and end it so we don't sign this deal. We'll sign another deal with another league that we feel confident with. So that would be a couple teams. And I think the most likely one to happen is that like Craig said, a deal happens and everybody stays status quo for a little while and then we, we play this game again when, when the rights come up again. All right, what if, in fact, it, what are the odds, and this is just being not devil's advocate, but I love to throw different options on the table. So one is they're fine. They figure it out without two teams, UCLA and USC, moving forward. Um, two is that they lose a couple of more teams because they don't like the trending. Three is um, that... They're going to have a what? Uh, the third one you mentioned is they stay together, but the, again, they're just kicking the can down the road another three, five, or seven years. Well, add teams. Yeah. Is there anything possible? And I'm not saying this because I've seen this floated out there. Is there anything possible that might actually be a newness or unique part of what they do that nobody else has ever done? And part of it may be because they have no other choice that actually might be smart. Shoot me, I mean, whatever. I mean, maybe. I've taken I'm this asking. stance before. I, I, I've said this multiple times. I've said, how funny would it be if, in the end, they end up with a better deal? Have I not? So, yes, like, you have. I, I've, I mean, I've I've thrown that out there to play devil's advocate a few times. Um, and until ink's dried, that's always a possibility because we don't know. We're not in those rooms. We're not the head of Apple or the head of CW or whatever. We don't know the types of money figures that are being thrown around. I am far more pessimistic on that being the case now than I was when I first started broaching that topic, uh, probably, you know, starting about a year ago. Um, but until I see otherwise, Paul, I, I that's always a possibility. Yeah. I'm not going to say never. Um, at the same time, though, 
yeah, I'm starting to like, like, here's the thing with, with me, like you didn't have to, for any of our sakes, have a, have a deal announced. Like this is more for your schools and those who are potentially like looking around at all, which we know is at least somewhat of the case, no matter how you want to define that and, and stretch the words to, to pretend like that's not the case. There's at least some exploring that has gone on. That's undeniable. And so you do want to like steady that as best you can. Although you do feel like maybe you got a couple teams you can pivot to, right? Or you're not even worried about losing. You still got a couple teams that you're going to end up adding in the long run. If that's the case, and you're going to be totally fine, like I'm sure some Pac-12 fan somewhere is claiming right now, and and very well may be true. CW is going to be great. Apple streaming is going to be a perfect combination. They're not going to lose anybody. They're going to add San Diego State. They're going to add SMU, and it all ends up like the best possible scenario. I still want to hear something on Friday from George Klyovkov. Easing my ten, easing my nerves a little bit if I'm a Pac-12 fan. Not just saying like soon, soon, but let me know like, hey, here's some concrete stuff to like know. Like, not necessarily. You don't even have to tell me it's Apple, but tell me the bare bones of what you can tell me that is factual. That it can at least let me know that we're on the trajectory. Not some open-ended, vague, no end date, like any scenarios possible. Uh, type of a statement because that's what we basically gotten to this point and for me to feel good about the situation i would like to hear some some substance to, to some of the words that he has to say well uh, i mean he, what about you guys yeah, yeah. no i mean I, I i you think you do uh what about the the 10 teams that are left in the conference well, or what about san diego about. state what about perhaps others even smu as they sit back and wait on what might help or be a part of their future or yet another disappointment. So there's the story. Ross Dellinger, now with Yahoo Sports, helped us. Uh, again, he'll be on at 510 to kind of even give us more on that. Uh, now, I teased the Horns Down segment, which is something that the Big 12 really has never, and I, I tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, that they've never seemed to be able to grasp the, the Horns Down. Is it taunting? I know many Texas fans who don't give a damn. They they don't it's they almost take it as if it's a, a, like they're proud of it. Right? Almost all of them don't. Yeah. Yes. I've never met one There's that does. Some that might get a little bit, you know, overly sensitive, but yeah, it's it's gotten to the point where it really would like tie up I think officials on what they should do. So today at the SEC Media Days uh, Brett McMurphy, there's a lot of people who had this, but the SEC's coordinator of officials penalizing the horns for the down, set for the uh, horns down signal in 24. Unsportsmanlike conduct needs to fit one of three categories. Is it taunting an opponent? Is it making a travesty of the game? Is it otherwise compromising our ability to manage the game? The difference between a player giving a signal directly in the face of an opponent as opposed to doing it with teammates celebrating after a touchdown or on the sideline to net all that out, every single occurrence is not an act of unsportsmanlike conduct. Said the same applies. The SEC has been doing this with the Gator Chomp and Land Shark signals. Yes, which is why it's not the, that hard. The Big Twelve was so confused about it because they got kind of a thing of any time somebody throws it, it's fifteen, and that's why it was. That's that's a great explanation of it. Because if somebody if scored and they're alone in the end zone and they put the horns down or whatever team that we're playing, if it was in the if it, anything in the face of a, an opponent is immediately taunting does, whatever the signal hand signal or is, not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought this was the dumbest thing that the Big 12 uh, managed wise uh, or management wise. I thought this is the dumbest thing the Big 12 dealt with over the last few years. 
It was like the biggest non-controversy controversy. It was the stupidest thing every time it got brought up, and it was made dumber by the fact that nobody in the Big 12 had the you-know-whats to sit there and actually explain the rule all that clearly. And like, I mean, and maybe they did, and maybe just the messaging was so poor uh, previously that it just didn't get into the ears the way that it should have uh, arrived. Because I know on Saturdays it was awfully confusing when you see that flag thrown, and you're like, why? Like, why Why was that thrown? Will Greer threw the horns down. Did he throw it in the face of, like, one of the Texas DBs? No. He just threw it in a moment of a big game, and, and here's the flag flying. I'm just using that as, like, a, a small example. Um, it was just – it was confusing. It felt like it was very much a Texas-only rule. You know what I mean? And Because – I guess not everybody else, even though several others do have hand signals, I guess doing those upside down just doesn't register. Um, but but I thought this was a silly, non-controversy controversy. I'm glad the SEC's, you know, dealing with it right out of the gates and just making it very black and white and matter of fact. Hey, if you go throw a horns down in the face of a Texas player after you pick off the quarterback or you run a touchdown uh, into the end zone, then yeah, like anything else, that's taunting. That's very clearly taunting. That's very clearly a penalty. But if you're just doing it after like a big play, like a pick off of Quinn Ewers, and you get knocked out of bounds, and you look to the crowd, and you throw the horns down, yeah, that should never be a penalty. So um, I think it's very clear what's taunting and what's not. And when guys are just using a symbol to celebrate, and yeah, maybe taunt in a very minor way and then there's going over the top and getting in dudes faces and, and throwing being, down the yeah, head, yeah and like okay yeah you don't want that that's totally understandable and if the big 12 just been consistent with that all along then i don't think it would have been that big of a deal but i'm glad the sec addressed it and now it's a non-issue now it won't be an issue and it won't be brought up unless there's a reason to bring it up which the rules clearly state there shouldn't be shadow bearded you must not have been listening or you may need to clean out your ears it's not a Texas thing. It was a Big 12 thing. Learn your history, you casuals. You, you're not listening. We set it up as if it was not a Texas thing, and I said from the beginning that every Texas fan pretty much that I know was never offended by it, hated the fact that there was even a rule. And Craig just explained that, as did Paul. So Just directly uh, blame the Big 12 yeah, for the shout, confusion, but yeah, yeah go on. Yeah, go but, off. But thanks for your it time. Was, it was only a Texas thing because Mac Brown and DeLos Dodds pushed it as hard as they did. It wasn't a Texas, you know, not everybody, like, uh, not everybody who goes to a place agrees with everything their coach and AD does. Clearly, that happens all the time. And it was it was one of the biggest probably collective eye rolls in Austin was like, would you guys shut up about this? Yeah. It is not a big deal. Like, stop it. Well, except, say for one dude. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, yeah, apparently yeah. because uh, he's offended or overly sensitive about the fact we never said exactly what you alluded to in the chat room. So I don't understand why you went there. But. We're not done. Graham Coffee covers Georgia. They were on the clock today at the SEC Media Days, the two-time defending national champions, trying to do something nobody has ever done in college football history, and that's win three in a row, and there's been some great dynasties that have been on the cusp of that, but no one has done it. We'll check in with him. Also, Ross Dellinger at 510, Craig's off the radar at 445, and Paul Catalina at his top five in just over Two hours. This is 365 Sports. City of Woodway, if you're traveling or planning to come in to, uh, to if you're a, a 
Baylor fan that lives around the country. You probably have been back here before, but let's say you haven't, and you're looking for a place to stay for a night or two to come watch Baylor football. Eight home games, remember, and or you're one of the eight teams coming in to play in Waco, and you're looking for a place to stay. Yes, the city of Waco has more hotels than I've ever seen before because I used to wonder if they had more than five. But there are a bunch of them, and Magnolia, the silos, and much more has a lot to do with that, and the tourism. But there are also, I think it's seven, might be about to be eight or nine hotels within the city of Woodway. The city of Woodway, which is on the southern part of Waco, you can find the hotels that you're looking for if you need one by simply going to discoverwoodway.com. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, that's TexasBeefHouse.com. And joined by Marketing Director Samantha Duvald. Samantha, thanks for your time. There have been numerous holidays, and now it's just straight up the summertime. Your thoughts about some of the specials and ideas you have? So we still have our hamburger special going on. We're going to continue it through the end of July. When you bundle our 25-pound ground beef bundle, you can get hamburger for as low as $6 a pound. And the same with our 28-pound Wagyu hamburger patties. You can also get those for as low as $6 a pound. All of those come with free shipping in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. We've got a lot of steaks online. People are buying up our brisket. Time to smoke a brisket. Good time to grill out. If you order and use our code SICKEM10, you can get 10% off your order of $100 or more. And it's all grown right here in White House for a family-owned company. It's all pasture-raised. We just enjoy what we get to do. Family reunion, people going out to the lakes, or people just meeting or going out of town. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel and Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at Pioneersboys.com. TFNB, your bank for life, is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB, your bank for life. Member FDIC. 
Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco is a premier, elite, life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements with the members excited about what they see. New flooring, locker rooms have been redone, new painting, and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room with a new squat machine that will test your legs and their stamina. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, treadmills, elliptical machines on a spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and welcome Nathan Roach. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro, the great Britt Cole, plus adult tennis lessons with Blake and Kenna, who are ready to take your game to another level. And the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website, WacoTennis.com. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lake Shore Drive next to Hawaiian Falls in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Graham Coffee Dog Central joins us on 365 Sports SEC Media Days. Today, Georgia was front and center trying to do something nobody has ever done in the history of the game. And Graham Coffee joins us with Paul Catalina, David, and also Craig Smoke. Graham, thanks for your time. So Kirby was on the clock today. I'm sure there were questions about the offseason with some of what's going on. But bottom line, let's start with this. Um, the three-peat, is that something that can, even for a team so dominant, can eventually be a burden? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was it was interesting because I was kind of curious if Kirby would have a different tune than what he's had in the past. You know, in, in the past he's talked a lot about uh, not just fighting complacency, but sort of not letting his players get overconfident. And now you've entered a realm where you're trying to do something that, like you said, nobody's ever done. So at a certain point, you need to kind of start reversing that psychology. But uh, his message was was a lot about their leadership culture and, you know, great leaders kind of making sacrifices and being willing to uh, sort of, you know, pay different costs. And in that, he talked about how, you know, one peat, two peat, three peat, I don't really care as long as the, you know, the internal results are going right. Sort of the, you know, he wants his guys to do the right things, and the the result of that is usually winning games. But uh, in a lot of ways, he, he kind of sounded like he, he's not so much invested in the wins or losses as much as he is just making sure his players are preparing the right way. Well, to that end, there's been a lot of off-field noise surrounding, and this happens to every team that, that wins as much as they do. Uh, there's going to be more attention on them. How does he intend to – address that uh, in, in making sure that those are not the things that create complacency or problems for the team as they try to, to three-peat? Yeah, I mean, you know, he has talked to UGA media specifically about 
the, you know, really the driving, uh, you know, speeding, obviously the tragedy that happened January 15th where they lost uh, Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix. And, and, you know, there were, were questions that were asked them about why are your guys still getting speeding tickets after everything that has happened in your program this offseason? And I, in a lot of cases, he kind of deferred to his players and was just like, well, you, you need to ask them about it. So um, we did. You know, we Cedric Van Fran uh, has started on their last two national championship teams, came back uh, instead of going to the NFL draft. You know, we'll, we'll start for a third year at center for Georgia and – we asked him about it, and it, it was a lot of, you know, hey, like we're having a lot of conversations internally right now where if one of us messes up, we all look bad. Um, you know, it's, it's not people saying, hey, this guy's a knucklehead. Uh, there, there's people saying, hey, you know, Georgia as a football program is out of control, and we are all part of the Georgia football program, and we don't want that label put on us. So I, I think – you know, Georgia has always been a player-driven program uh, in terms of how they practice and, you know, sort of everything else. And, and you know, I think Kirby is uh, taking the proper amount of responsibility and admitting that they have a problem. But I think he's also saying, hey, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to stop this because these kids are at the point in their life where – you know, they get behind car, the, the wheels of cars, and sometimes they do drive too fast. And, and so I think there's some honesty there, but uh, there's going to be people who aren't happy with that answer because you, you want to see them eradicate that. You want to see these kids, you know, every time they get in a vehicle thinking about the fact that they lost a teammate to a, a traffic accident, but at the same time, they are kids and they have short memories. Graham, uh, when it comes to uh, the notes coming out of today, I saw where Smoke Bowie, uh, now no longer with the team, I guess Georgia said they mutually agreed to part ways. He had come over from Texas A&M. I know they didn't have a very big transfer clash in, in general, but uh, was that, I, I guess, what level of a surprise, if any, was that? What kind of an impact, if any, does that have? And, and on that transfer front, just having less than a handful of guys, I was pr- particularly curious about Tyke Smith and just how he's fit in so far. Yeah, um, not a – huge surprise I think to, to those of us uh, close to the program to hear that news there had been some buzz for a couple months that uh, he was not in Athens or not with the football program frankly we didn't know where he went we still don't know where he went um, had some issues I think over the spring in terms of just not maybe being on time for things and not, not showing up in a way that Georgia wants their guys to. And uh, I think they set a hard line with them. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think he wanted to do all the things that you got to do to play football for Georgia. So uh, parted ways. But, yeah, the, the, with Tyke Smith, um, you know, he came in from West Virginia after that 2020 COVID season and was a third-team All-American. And everyone was really excited and assumed he would immediately – Slide into the starting lineup, uh, got hurt in fall camp, and then came back for a game and tore his ACL, and he kind of fell off the map, and it's been a long road back for him. He had a really, really good spring. Uh, Javon Bullard, who was you know MVP of uh, the Chick-fil-A Bowl, defensive MVP of the national championship, 
he played that sort of star uh, slot corner role that Tyke also plays, but uh, we expect him to move back to safety this year. So Tyke is sort of the presumed starter in that uh, in that slot corner role, but we will have to see, you know, how, how long that lasts. They've got a lot of talented guys in that secondary, but uh, everyone feels like a healthy Tyke Smith is something that we really haven't seen yet since he got to happen. They have talent everywhere and loads of it. And, of course, at, at quarterback, some young talent, that that's why they recruited him and signed him. Will they miss what Stetson Bennett brought to the table as far as his swagger or perhaps just that kind of oomph that he brought to the table? For sure. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the, the replay of their win over Ohio State in the playoff semifinal was was on tv last night uh when i got back to my hotel room here in nashville and uh there was a little stat that popped up basically that you know that game was only uh the third time since Stetson became a starter that uh georgia trailed in the fourth quarter of a game um so you know it's like three of the games he ever trailed in the fourth quarter of uh you know, two of them were the win over Alabama in the national title and the win over Ohio State in the playoff semifinal. So, like, really came up big in the the few occasions where Georgia found themselves behind the eight ball. Um, asked, we asked Cedric Van Fran today uh, sort of what the similarities are with those other guys in the quarterback room, and he was really adamant about not – you know, comparing those guys to Stetson in a lot of ways and kind of talking about how they all are unique personalities. But one thing he did say was, was you know, that Carson Beck and Stetson Bennett have, like, a, a similar type of poise to them. Um, the question for Georgia is going to be if they get on the road against Tennessee and that offense, you know, gets a couple quick touchdowns or, you know, Georgia has a bad turnover in their own end and they all of a sudden find themselves down by 14 points how is Carson Beck going to respond, right? And I don't think we can know it until we see it, but um, it's going to be hard to match what Stetson Bennett did just in terms of uh, the kind of poise and uh, just swagger that he had. There was a self-belief there that you don't often see uh, in college football. What differences can people expect between uh, Mike Bobo and now Todd Munkin, who's, who's off to Baltimore? Yeah, you know, everything that we've heard this offseason from Kirby about the offense has been, uh, you know, sort of him pointing to all the ways that things are going to be the same. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some package differences. Uh, you know, Darnell Washington is gone. Georgia ran uh, as many two tight end sets last year as anybody in the country but Utah. You know, over half of their snaps were taken out of. 12 personnel formations over the last couple of years. So that's a big thing that identity wise probably changes because uh, they don't have a six, seven, 280 pound mutant of a tight end anymore on the roster. Uh, you still have Brock Bowers, but I, I think you might see Georgia uh, be a little more receiver heavy this year. Um, there are some kind of questions in that running back room, just uh, maybe not the, there's a lot of very, very good players. There might not be that top-level talent in the running back room like they've had in, in years past, like a, a Chubb or a Sony Michelle. So you, you may see them throw the ball more, uh, especially in er, early in games to kind of get ahead. But their offensive line is probably the most 
sure thing about this team. So I, I don't expect them to abandon the run in any sense. But, um, you know, Mike Bobo, uh, the question for him is going to be uh, kind of similar to that question with Carson Beck. Like, if Georgia finds themselves in a bad spot or if it's third and four, uh, you know, five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and they need a first down to try and put a game away or a score to try and come from behind, is he going to pull the right card out of the deck? And Todd Monken, uh, nine times out of ten, pulled the right card. Graham, uh, I think uh, everybody who's followed closely enough knows that Georgia does not have the most daunting schedule this year. I'm sure you've heard that ad nauseum. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe Hugh Freeze and Auburn can just be interesting early on and then Tennessee there late in the year. But, I mean, for the most part, I think everybody feels pretty good about them uh, being flawless. And, and heading into the SEC championship game, I'm just curious, who do you picture them facing in that potential game? Because it does seem like there's a bit more of a question on in the other side of the uh, the conference. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've been asking myself that same question a lot this week because we've got a vote uh, on that tomorrow. I think right now I, I lean towards LSU. Uh, you know, they, they beat Alabama last year. Yes, they've got to go on the road to Tuscaloosa. But Alabama, you know, they, they lost Bryce Young. And uh, who they replace him with, assuming it's Tyler Buckner, you know, I mean, they're not getting a, another transfer quarterback between now and the start of the season. So it's going to be one of Buckner, Milrow, and Simpson. And I just don't think the the top-end talent is really there for them in the passing game. And their offensive line has struggled for a couple of years. I, I think there's been a kind of a influx of talent to happen on their offensive line that, that should improve that unit. But, uh, there isn't Bryce Young standing back there anymore. So I, I, I think that LSU is more of a sure thing when you kind of go down the list of, of position groups and, and particularly the position groups that really matter in the SEC, which is your, your lines of scrimmage. And then, um, you know, how, how are you going to look kind of, you know, on the back end? Like I, I think Alabama, as odd as it is to say, has more question marks right now than, than LSU does. Graham, thank you. It's been a busy day. Nashville hosting SEC Media Days. I know it's been elsewhere for many years as well across the southeast. Your thoughts about it and also your thoughts about next year, the SEC Media Days being in Dallas at, at the Omni Hotel. Yeah, uh, you know, Nashville, always a good time. Uh, I, I joked when I when I got here on Monday morning that uh, – Feels like the entire city is under construction. I'm looking out my hotel room window right now, and there's like seven high-rise cranes uh, just in my field of view. So lots of growth going on here. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's cool to be on Broadway and to sort of have that experience. The SEC always does a phenomenal job uh, putting on this event and uh, creating, you know, kind of a fun atmosphere around it. Um, Dallas next year. I think is really exciting. Uh, I, I personally uh, lived in Dallas at one point, so I'll, I'll be excited to, to kind of get back to that area. And I, I think it's cool to see the league go out there with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma and sort of representative of a new uh, era in college football. Thank you very much. Thanks for being a part of it on a busy day. It's Graham Coffee. Dog Central covers Georgia also at SEC Media Days.
Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, they can be kind of boring in like the best type of way mm-hmm. because they're just so good. Like, what do you ask? Like, what what, what weakness do they have? You know, like, are they going to miss Stetson Bennett? Well, that they don't have five offensive yeah, tackles. Yeah, of course they're right. going to miss their starting quarterback who led them to a national championship. I think everybody's going to feel that to some extent. But when you're replacing that guy with any number of other super highly talented players, as opposed to what most people have to replace their you know, legendary national championship quarterback with, if they ever even reach that point, um, you'd much rather have their problems than anybody else's. So, yeah, I mean, they are a team with very few weaknesses. It feels like if there's anyone even sort of on the horizon of developing that you could detect by microscope, it would be this off the field, just little chatter. But that's not as dire as, as part of the story was and as awful as it was. I mean, that's they've just still kind of gone along, right? And so... um you know, barring there being anything else just totally ugly and, and unforeseen, you know, guys here and there getting a speeding ticket. I mean, that's not going to, de- you know, derail what Kirby Smart's built up. And, and they're just a, an absolute machine. I mean, uh, you know, Alabama was kind of in a class by their own there for a little while. And then Clemson goes, uh we can play this game too, to an extent. But George is just like taking it to this whole nother like level across the board from recruiting it to everything uh, in between. That's just, it's hard to imagine how that thing's going to fall, but we thought the same about Bama. They still, ha- they still haven't fallen Miami, Nebraska. I yeah. mean, it, it eventually State, happens, yeah. but it might not happen for a really long time. The way things are going. There are certain places, aren't there Craig and, and, and Paul, that there are certain places if man, they're sleeping giants. If they get the right coach. Yeah. And look, that's, I mean, that, that's been Nebraska's problem. That's been Miami's problem. That, uh, you know, um, Florida State, uh, that was their problem. You know, that they fortunately had a maybe a shorter window between, you know, non-relevancy and relevancy as some of those other ones. But Michigan, Michigan didn't have the right coach between Lloyd Carr and Jim Harbaugh at all. You know, now they do. Um, you know, the the good programs are the There's, ones who, who plan it out a little better and don't have, you know, Michigan had a, has a problem in that, Outside of Rich Rodriguez, who's a you know West Virginia grad, they they you know want a Michigan man to be the the, the head coach. Well, you know there are only what did that do for Nebraska well, when they got a Nebraska yeah, guy? There are only a few really elite coaches that went to your like went to any school ever. So you know if you peg your your down to well, they had to be a really elite coach and they had to have gone to school here, then your pool is slim because it just may not be the right fit at the right time for what you need to do to win at a certain place. In Miami, um, you know, they're a little bit different in that their uh, athletic department support has ebbed and flowed so much over the years that they got just so far behind in the in the arms race outside of talent. Like it wasn't even just about getting that talent anymore. It made it harder to get that talent because you would say, Hey, you can come here and and play at the coolest place ever in Miami and look at all the things we've done and five national titles or six, whatever they have tons. And that's the you, and you know, you can, you can be yourself here and you know, you go in and the, you know, the weight room is, Worse, or it's not, worse than the uh, one you have at your high school. Well, here's so the thing. you're like, okay, well. It, it, it's hard. It's easy to get to the top, although Georgia took a long, long time since Herschel Walker. That doesn't mean they weren't knocking on the door. They right now have the perfect fit with Kirby Smart, who understands the SEC, who has the blueprint because of Nick Saban, too, and then he put his well, own little uh, uh, look, fingerprints on G- it. George is, another, is a different kind of example. 
Georgia had the right coach. Mark Richter is an excellent coach. It's just there were a couple guys that were just better than him. I mean, he and and that's why he couldn't beat those guys in that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mark Richt, really good coach, really successful. You know, put a lot of great players in the league. Georgia was regularly playing in the title game. But, you know, there were other coaches that existed at the same time as him in that league, namely Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. How about Tom who, Osborne had to play against Barry Switzer? Yeah. so Forever. You and can just, yeah. Yeah, you can be the second or best, second or third coach. best coach in the league, and then, unfortunately – especially for a guy like Mark Rick, the first best always seemed to be at the school that was knocking them out uh, of the race. All right. Uh, when we come back, the four o'clock hour continues. Craig's off the radar in about 20, 25 minutes. We'll have Ross Dellinger at the top of the five o'clock hour. And then also we'll have the top five. Uh, Mac Rhodes, who's normally with us on Tuesdays on a couple of weeks break. So expect something to break loose when it comes to college athletics. He's out of pocket. We had him on for a long time last week in Arlington with Commissioner Brett Yormark. John McClain out at least another week on vacation. He'll join us again sometime starting next week. This is 365 Sports. Pioneer Steel and Pipe new facility more than twice the size of their old one. Been in business since 1943, allowing them to carry new inventory as well as higher quantities of inventory in a much more organized fashion. Location may have changed, but the values that they've always had that have kept them in business no matter what since 1943 remain the same. Handshakes mean something. Relationships with customers mean something. It's not that somebody comes to your business once. It's if they come back again and again and again, and obviously People have been doing that. Customers have been doing that. Those in need of pipe, steel, and metal have been doing that at Pioneer Steel and Pipe since 1943. In addition to the standard long lengths and tubing angles, channels, rods, and flat, they now carry several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut, which saves you time for anyone who doesn't need or can't haul the long lengths back to wherever the construction site might be. A 2,500-square-foot showroom with over 1,000 new products in stock, Welding supplies, hardware, do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you're a weekend warrior and or a personal contractor, a professional contractor. It's Pioneer Steel and Pipe, the Pioneer Boys on Loop 340 and Highway 6, east of 35 in Waco, PioneerBoys.com. The future's bright, the time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Humanor in the Talwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. 
Centennial MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective, good. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Super Chat. Thank you to Arturo Balderas. If Georgia three-peats, will they be considered the team of the 2020s, even those are the only ones, uh, to, to, even though those are the, are the only natties they win? Oh, man, I, <laughs> I'm trying to think, okay, let's think about the team of the decade in the 70s. It, it probably ended up being perhaps USC. I know that uh, the, that Oklahoma would be in that conversation. Possibly Penn State, Alabama, Nebraska, right? Yeah. And, and if I'm in Ohio State, the team of the 80s, whoo, I would think Miami. Miami, yeah. Because one of the other teams in that conversation, Florida State, is who they beat. Just like Oklahoma would trump Nebraska in the 70s. 
because they beat them almost every well, year. That, and that was the thing. Miami is the team of the 80s because when it came down to it, you know, they got to bowl games. They beat Oklahoma in a bowl game. They yep. beat Nebraska in a bowl game. They twice. beat FSU in a bowl game. Twice, they yeah. beat the, I mean, the breaks off of Penn State in a bowl game. I mean, so they're all like, no matter who was the other. Florida this could like, be, they wanted to cancel the series. This, this could be, yeah they, yeah. they did. I mean, they, they played out like they'll play a, a home and home once a decade and then be like, see you guys, we play you. All right, so, uh, yeah, there's, so there's the 80s. The 90s Florida State, because of the head-up win against Nebraska, both would absolutely, would probably be 50-50% if you looked at it, but Florida State won a national championship game against them. Mm -hmm. In the 2000s, Florida would be involved. Uh, Multiple national titles in the 2000s. I mean, LSU... Alabama didn't get their first yeah. under Saban until 2009. Y'all LSU, a team that was more consistent than probably anybody, but they only won one title. Texas. Oklahoma. Oklahoma was In the 2000s? As, in the 2000s? They started off 2000 with the national title. Yeah, that's they played right. for it like twice more. I mean, Texas also played for it twice in that decade, but mm-hmm. Oklahoma played for it like, I mean, shoot, there was the, uh, the win over Florida State, then there was a loss to LSU, there was a loss to USC, and then they played for it, I want to say, maybe once or twice more after that, but one couple Heisman during that. Like, I mean, they didn't win multiple, but, yeah, you throw Florida in there, you throw Texas in there, I guess. Um, but and USC had their run too. USC would be in that as well. That that mix of the two thousand. I, I mean, to, I guess we'll keep going through the decades. Two thousand ten is no question. Alabama from O to two thousand to two thousand and nine, right? Uh, two thousand ten, excuse me, to two thousand nineteen. And I mean, you can't name anybody else. Georgia's three and zero if they win again this year. And even if they don't, they're two game, two national titles. Uh, in the 20s, but still a long way to go in the decade. But appreciate the super chat. Well, so to answer the question, this yeah, like yeah, I, think I think they would so. absolutely do this. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That was the question, and so yeah, not only that, but you would have to place them amongst the greatest runs in college football history, simply because no one's ever done it. Period. Like forget the rest of the decade. No one's won three in a row ever. So that's the kind of uncharted territory that you're talking about. Lots of teams have won back-to-back. Lots of teams have won multiple in a decade. Um, Maybe not lots, but several. Same thing. Um, But nobody's won three in a row. So, I mean, that that puts them in a rare air that not even Alabama can lay claim to, no matter their great runs, or Oklahoma in the 50s or the – 70s or Nebraska and Miami in the 80s. No one's done that. So, yeah, I, I think that not only team of the decade, but you're, you're talking about one of the all-time great runs. It's just a matter of, you know, it would still be open-ended because then here here comes, what about four in a row? What about, but the thing about that is it's going to be way harder to win that fourth or fifth or, or it's going to be harder just period to win one no matter who you are in the expanded playoff. Because you can be Georgia and be loaded to the gills, and you'll still be the favorite over just about everybody. But when you're suddenly playing a couple extra games, and that's not against Boise State, for you know, or for example, that's now going to be like you played Ohio State and you beat them. That's great. Now you're going to play uh, USC. That's great. Okay, now you play the national title game, and now you're going to play uh, Alabama. Like, I mean, that's just. If you win three in a row in that format, my God, you're you're the greatest college football team I you think of all to, time. I mean, someone might have to win four, right? With twelve, am, am I right there? From, yeah, but I mean, your yeah. opener wouldn't be your one of your hardest games. It would be like probably your third place team in the big or your second place team in and the you'd Big be Twelve at or, home, perhaps. It, which is yeah. not a gimme, but compared to the gauntlet of like second round on, where you're playing teams that have won a playoff game or two or three at that point, you're you're talking about maybe like. 
Less than two handfuls of teams that are going to be equipped to do that. Well, Less and, than, I mean, just depth-wise, there's going to be very few teams that are going to be able to do that. Well, and look, the, the other thing that can happen is you can have, you know, one of the best teams you've ever put together, and then you run up against a team that's hot at the right time. Like, that's that's the other thing that the, that the playoff and the postseason in, in college football has always kind of eliminated is, you know, you lose – Let's just say you lose two games kind of at a random time at, at, in the year, but you finish the year, you know, statistically better and beating better teams than anybody in the country. But because you're, you're you know, maybe even just 11 and two winning your conference, well, because of those two, you're not in the top four. Well, now you could be playing your best ball at the end of the year and just get that team that you think is so great at the right time because you're at their, your best and they're not. And that's going to happen a whole lot more often than it did because before it just wasn't a possibility. What's they really hard play. to understand is that why there wasn't a three-peat because it, for the longest time you had two different national titles. So you would have thought it would be easier back when there was the AP and then also the UPI and then eventually became the coaches poll. Roger, on the well, 2000s. Actually, I think when you throw in the fact that it was just people voting on it, then the three-peat, the standard probably went up in that if you're going to have that yeah. third team, you better be as good as the other two. And if you were slightly down or some of the players weren't there, then you're going to have people across the country that think, well, now. Kind of like a guy who's won back-to-back NBA MVPs and they get tired of him. Yeah. Like Joker. Uh, yeah. Roger, USC had a 34-game winning streak in the 2000s, two national titles, and then lost in perhaps the greatest national championship of all time. So, yes, I, I mentioned USC, and I mentioned that. They almost, I didn't mention the 34 games, but I did mention that before Texas stopped the 3 PK. Um, Paxton asking, if was Texas the last team that ended a 3 peat And I don't know if Alabama had, you know, technically in the national championship game, I don't know if Alabama was ever trying to win three in a row. They won a lot. They'd win one, they'd win two, then they would not make it, but they were a part of the conversation. Sure seems like they would have gotten interrupted somewhere, unless it's just been way more uh, stuttered than than I uh, recall. But, yeah, I mean, to uh, to the point about USC, that's actually who my brain first goes to when I think of the, the 2000s. But I had to throw Oklahoma in there, too, because they were just so consistent. Uh, but, yeah, I'd have no problem saying – uh, USC as far as the uh, the team of the 2000s. I'm trying to pull up the the latest history and when we would have maybe gotten a three-peat. Like did Clemson end well, an Alabama I mean, Alabama run? and Clemson just traded blows. That's yeah. basically what happened. Uh, then Florida State interrupted Alabama in 2013. That would but, have been the last time that uh, that would have been possible, I believe. But, but is he asking to Texas? Because Texas specifically ended it for USC. Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. I mean, they played USC and beat them specifically. Florida State didn't play Alabama. Florida State played Auburn. No, no, that's what I'm saying. In the national championship game, did anyone end the possibility of a three-peat? So, I see what Paul's saying. Um, Yeah, I have no idea on on that. I I don't know who would have, with that caveat, I don't know – how, you know who who would have played three times in a row and got beat that third time? But yeah, as far as like a team attempting to win a third one and not making it to the championship game, that would have been Alabama uh, here in 2013-14. It would have been the last opportunity. Is that what I? Uh, yeah. 2013? No, it would have been. Yeah, they won it in 2011. 2011-2012, and then they lost in tw- or they didn't win in 2013. So that interrupted that, and that was the last time we've had back to back until. Georgia, I believe, yeah. And uh, in 2014, uh, 2013, Alabama lost to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, 45-31. to 31. It is 438. 
There are a couple of other notes. Craig will have off the radar here momentarily, but there's one other television media type. And if you're now joining us, earlier today, Ross Dellinger put up the note that the Pac-12 does not expect to announce anything on their new TV deal when they have their media days coming up in Vegas later on in the week. We'll have Ross on a little after 5 o'clock. And a lot of we discussed that at length, and a lot of you had your opinion. But also this one, Pat Craigs, that we had on the show just yesterday, responding to this from Joe Flint, Peacock becomes the latest streaming service to raise their prices. Adding supported ad supported plan will increase at a dollar a month, while the ad free tier will go up two dollars a month to eleven dollars and ninety nine cents a month. Price increases for cable TV or in this case streaming that isn't that like breathing. Groceries go up, right? Yeah. Car prices will go up, or that's part of like just the economy. So a dollar or two. I asked Craig and Paul this the other day. I, I have Amazon Prime and I have uh, whatever music. Uh, and I kind of started seeing like I was getting sliced with a razor blade with two ninety nine here and nine ninety nine here and whatever. And then some of them are me ordering something on Amazon Prime. But I, I kind of almost like lost track of what I was spending, even if it was two to five or nine dollars per month. And, uh, and I need to kind of grab that and, and, and get hold of that just to make sure I'm not just getting scissored to death by those people. But well, we'll see. To, to your own point, who cares? This is a dollar or two. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, yeah, you know, a dollar. You never thought that Craig just No, 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 but like, just, you, just, you just got done saying, well, who cares? It's a dollar or two. And then you went on to say, no, man, it started no, to look at my bills a little bit. It's and not they're a dollar or two up. with me, though. I'm talking yeah. $9.99 and $12.99. And I've never really thought about it until all of a sudden – I just did, but, so, but yeah. you're right. You're, no, you're, you make a great no, point. No, but what I'm saying is, is that yeah, it's just a dollar or two once or twice, and then when it's very clearly uh, trying to make up for all the millions you've lost in these failed movie experiments and your failed, you know, whole platform that you've been trying to, uh, you know, get uh, up to t- up to snuff, um, and then that's why we're all paying an extra dollar or two. And then in six months, we'll all, I bet you'd be paying another dollar or two. And then six months from then, we'll be, and you know, next thing you know, Hulu's like $25 or something. That's, yeah, that's what we got to pay attention to because they're not raising prices just because it's the natural thing to do. That's part of it. That's part of just, yeah, you're right, just American, you know, business. But it's very clearly also because they need the money. <laughs> they need everybody to pay more to help offset some of the losses and, and, you know, speed up the process of, of recouping some of that loss. So I think that's where you have to look across your, your, like your bills, for example, of, yeah, like it may not seem like $2 here is that big of a deal, but if you got 10 services, 20 bucks a month, I mean, yeah, that kind of starts to add up after a while. It does. And it's weird because you see these things and part of it, like when you go back, if you went and sat all these executives down and you like went down a list of the dumb things that they've done, I mean, like, um, there was a, a streaming service that started called Quibi. And Quibi, their whole point, Soki, was they were going to do shows that were going to be five minutes long, right? So they were going to do, like, little five-minute things, and they were going to have, like, 50 episodes of this five-minute thing for the short attention span people. It failed spectacularly. Okay, so that one lost money. But then there were media companies that bought the content from Quibi that no one watched. So if I went and said, hey, um, who spent $200 million to buy all this stuff from Quibi that no one watched in the first place? And they have to, like, raise their hand. Like, who thought it was a good idea to, you know, make a whole bunch of stuff that no one asked for at all? 
You know, who, who, you know, let's make a sequel to a movie from 1986. Well, if they didn't make it in 1988, it probably shouldn't have happened. So mm-hmm. let's just Unless move it was on. Rocky 23. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I mean, I, I definitely have, have, have cut back on some of my, and like, you're right. It's like five bucks a month that I'm saving. And so 60 bucks a month over the year, but I think it's my peace of mind as much as it's anything else. Like with my wallet, it's just, I'm just not burning $60. And you know what? I know some people that could probably use 60 bucks extra. Not mm-hmm. everybody's rolling around just flush with cash, especially these days. So yeah, I mean, pay attention to your bill cause they will sneak up and not always remind you, um, that your, your prices will be going up, even if it is just a couple of bucks. But yeah, that's definitely a sign of just, I think natural evolving, you know, American economy, but also the sign of the economy in the state of streaming right now is there's, there's a lot of money that was spent that was lost and they're trying to get some of it back. Yeah, it seems like everything I did save with my cable bill that I cut back about $75, I all of a sudden might be doing that with all this streaming. Uh, Pat Craig's, by the way, his response, it's not a shocking trend that continues to be not at all shocking by not shockingly being consistent, uh, which in turn is not shocking. Prices for all media content across all platforms will go up, continue to go up until the financial losses abate, which may be a while. All right, when we come back, uh, Craig, and off the radar with a couple of notes about Northwestern football, and this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on. They're the people that I've counted on many times in the past. I had a guy about a couple years ago now at this point. Luckily, it hasn't been uh, more recently than that because it did feel like I was in Richard Carr a little bit too often there for for a little while. But Richard Carr, they are the people that you can count on. And as I mentioned, I've counted on them a couple years ago. Had this road rage incident, a guy just – he felt like he needed to get over no matter what, that my car didn't matter in his efforts to get to wherever he needed to be, and he rammed right into the side of me. Um, got all taken care of. It was definitely his fault, but when I needed my car taken care of, uh, he was not you know, available to repair the vehicle, nor was he probably going to be interested in doing that. So had to go to the people that you can count on, and, and I was able to count on them and get uh, great customer service uh, over at Richard Carr Buick GMC Cadillac. I didn't buy my car there originally, but they took care of it as though I did. And when I do need to buy a car again in the future, I know that uh, they will take care of me once again. Or if I want to take it over there right now and get an oil change, uh, they can hook me up uh, as well. So right now, if you are in the market for a new vehicle, they've got the GMC Sierra, which is a hot truck on the lot, reporting a big increase in sales this year because it's a great vehicle. Exceptionally nice, well-equipped on the inside, tough and strong where it counts. Before you buy another truck, drive one over at Richard Carr and see for yourself if you want the best truck. Well, then you'll probably find out that you want a GMC. Also, SUV-wise, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. you got the Buick lineup of SUVs. Luxury SUVs without the luxury price right now. Save 2000 on 2023 Buick Enclaves, Encores, or Envisions in stock. Plus, well-qualified buyers get special financing and no payments for 90 days. They've also got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks. And if you're looking to get your car serviced, for example, get your tires worked on or an oil change or something along those lines, their award-winning service department is standing by to keep you on the road. So uh, give them a call. Go to the website or uh, just show up in person, and they will accommodate you accordingly. But whatever it is that you're looking to do, buy new, buy pre-owned, or just take care of the vehicle that you're in, Richard Carr is your one-stop shop for all of those things. So check out the business that's been in business for 24 years in Central Texas, standing by to keep you on the road. You can go again to the website to see their service specials, set an appointment for quick and reliable service. Check out the dealership run by proud Central 
Texans uh, and proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. It is not the Top 5. It's Craig Smoking Off the Radar. Brought to you by Alliance Bank. Thank you very much. Uh, off the Radar here Tuesdays and Thursdays at around 445 uh, and just a grab bag that 
I got to be honest. Like, I hate this this time of year. Like, we are in the dead zone as far as stories that would normally occupy this spot. There will be a bevy of stories on a daily basis uh, to talk about, you know, in these little 15-minute segments twice a week. But uh, right now, I think that just in general, you're finding enough to fill a show, period, much less a little niche segment. So do the best that I can with what's out there. But uh, it is pretty quiet right now for the most part. Uh, in the world of sports, uh, but there is the Northwestern story that's ongoing, and uh, today we learned uh, v- via various reports, and Adam Rittenberg of ESPN, the one that I'll highlight here, uh, that Northwestern, in light of the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, also baseball coach Jim Foster, and the various uh, investigations, uh, allegations, uh, and now potential lawsuits as well that are going on surrounding uh, hazing at the school. Uh, the university announced it will initiate two external reviews into its athletic department in the wake of said investigations into hazing and bullying that led to the ousters of Fitzgerald and Foster. Uh, the school's president, Michael Schill, sent a letter to faculty and staff saying that reviews are needed to ensure appropriate accountability for the athletic department. One review will examine how they detect threats to their athletes and implement accountability within the athletic department. The other review will assess the culture of Northwestern athletics and its relationship to the academic mission. And most notably, they will release uh, both of these investigation results. Um, That was not the case with their investigation into the hazing and uh, bullying and the toxic environment and all that was going on, uh, not only with football, but in particular with baseball. Uh, So they are getting their ducks in a row to try and, you know, improve where they aired and try to make up where they can and still a lot to sort through lawsuit wise Uh, you know that's not going to end overnight and I mean who knows how the rest of the fallout just within the athletic department occurs and transfers and things of that nature so um, I don't know like on the one hand just human being point of view like yeah this is great news if you're a Northwestern alum and especially if you don't care about sports at all but if you're a sports fan then I think you're like "Uh uh-oh like what what was this going to uncover here to have two dueling investigations but just in general it's obviously needed uh well at least it appears that it's needed i'm sure there will probably be some that disagree um but either way they're opening a couple of inv- they're going to have a couple of investigations and in the end uh, the public will hear about their results adam yeah. rittenberg reporting that now up to 12x players and more expected to join what will be a uh, a civil rights suit against northwestern yeah and transparency is important here and i'm sure there's some attorney that will tell you you know give as little information as possible, and that's probably true. But the the fact of the matter is this. They're getting sued anyway, and a lot of this information is going to get subpoenaed out. So a lot of these things are going to be found out in court anyway. I mean, really, honestly, eventually, you know, all that stuff that you have on record, all the investigation stuff will come out. Uh, it, it's going to because the attorneys on the other side are going to subpoena and subpoena and subpoena until they can get what they need. So most of that's going to come out. I'm sure there are some things you've got to protect, but transparency is much more important for you in the long run because if you are transparent, the storm lasts shorter. Northwestern is in a storm, no matter what. The the ship is going into the storm. There's two routes. There's the route that leaves you in the storm for the duration of the storm or the one that takes you out of it. And so sadly... Most institutions, not just colleges, most institutions 
choose the we're going to be in the storm the whole time because we think this is the shortcut. No, the only way out is through. No matter what you do, there's just a long route and a short the shortcut. Route. Is, the shortcut is transparency, right? Yeah, I mean, so but they think, hey, if we do this, everybody will quiet down. No, transparency is the shortcut because eventually. If you are transparent, there are no more questions left to ask. The more you, you know, obfuscate the information and get in people's way, the more questions start to get asked. It happens over and over and over again. And seemingly, no one learns this lesson. But Northwestern hopefully has. There's a ton of smart people there. It's one of the best, most elite institutions in the country edu- in the in the world educationally so maybe they're making a smart decision here and taking the short way out of the storm so uh, northwestern's going to have a couple of dueling investigations and uh, obviously football baseball already affected we'll see what else comes of that but yeah uh, it'll be very uh, interesting to see what comes out on the uh, other side of what they look into uh, meanwhile you may have noticed a lot of scuttlebutt around the NFL and the uh, running back position yesterday as word got out that um, Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, and Saquon Barkley of the Giants were not able to come to terms on new multi-year deals ahead of the franchise tag deadline. And as a result, uh, those guys are not getting new deals and they'll play under the franchise tag, which means that all of them will be making slightly over $10 million. Boo-hoo, I know. But still, for the for the sport and the amount of money flowing through, that is a, a paltry sum compared to some of their, their counterparts. So that is the franchise tag. I'm sure most of us would sign up to play under that. But when you're a running back who's got a short shelf life and you know that there's not really a whole lot of uh, you know, positive attention surrounding the position at the moment. Uh, you're going to see that and probably get a little bit concerned. And I don't know if you guys saw, but there's like half the league's running backs took to Twitter yet, or Instagram yeah. or whatever yesterday to talk about, you know, standing in solidarity with their running back brothers and demanding. Like, I mean, I'm being a little over the, the top here, but demanding change. And this isn't right. I'm really and, mad at Matt Miller from ESPN. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because he tweeted, I've said it before, draft a running back. Uh, play the running back, franchise the running back one time, draft a running back, play the running back. Well, for, you know. I bet he's been right more than that. I mean, I bet he's more often right than not. It, it's almost like running back collusion. If 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 uh, and I'm not saying that. I don't think there's anything to do about it. You you got the your contract. You stay healthy enough. If you're fortunate, not many. Running backs get to play at a high level for more than three to five years. Uh, there aren't many Emmett Smiths or Walter Paytons or even Eric Dickersons who he didn't play. Jim Brown stopped in nine nine years, walked away at the highest level of his game. There, a little bit of Earl Campbell probably had a three to five year window, and then we saw what happened with him. Even see it to this day. I, but mm. I get it from both sides in that if you're if you're well, Saquon Barkley's kind of a different thing. He's got a lot of injuries, but if you're Jamie Jacobs, nothing's happened to you in your career that would suggest at this point that you're going to run out. You're you're trying to negotiate about your deal and your worth to the Raiders, and they're telling you that well, no statistics show that all these other guys happened that, and he's like, well, that's not me. Well, then, and, then and so sign a one year deal, walk yeah. away, go see who what value you have well, on and, the open market. But and that's and and then if you're on the NFL teams. 
you're talking about trying to make a decision that's salary cap and all that, that you have to, you know, save some money somehow and make sure you don't make bad contract decisions. And running back is just the position that it's the easiest now for you to go, well, no, we can't give a long-term deal to that because you see what happens on the back end. The Cowboys, uh, I think, very much suffered for having given Zeke the long-term deal when they did. They, they really did. And that's not Jamie Jacobs' fault, but he's just another one. Sean Alexander, 2,000 yards, got a big contract, hit the wall. You yep. know, so there's so many guys. What's the guy that played it? Uh, the speech, Chris, Chris Johnson. Johnson. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, you had uh, a, a lot of the running backs sounding off on uh, Monday. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, if you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. Uh, you know, had like very motivational type quotes. And, and I mean, that's all fine and dandy. That sounds like something that's kind of like a safety blanket is when things go wrong. Like just remind yourself of these phrases that, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay in the end. But there was an, an absolute amount of panic coming out of the running backs of the NFL yesterday. Derrick Henry took to Twitter, said, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game then. Uh, the ones that want to work and uh, the ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to an organization just seem like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. It almost sounds like it's like a civil rights thing or you know some type of a – um, maybe not civil rights, so to speak, but like a human rights almost type of thing. Like, as but by simply playing running back, you're owed this certain level of return, and that's just not the case. I mean, it's just you. Sorry, you were born in the wrong era, buddy. I mean, if you want to make more money right now, you'd be better off telling Derrick Henry to go play linebacker, right? I mean, or try to play tight end or or something along those lines, as opposed to playing running back. It's just not a position that's got very high value at the moment, um, and that's just for the foreseeable future, probably going to be the case. I mean, until things, you know, generally twist back in a different direction offensively, which there's no reason to indicate that it will, um, I do think the whole Matt Miller method of draft the guy, play him out his rookie contract, see where he is, reboot, do it all over again, that is probably going to be the way that most teams go. And the the Bijan Robinsons of the world are going to be few and far between most likely. But it's an interesting development, and it was particularly interesting because yesterday you had – I mean, Saquon Barkley and Najee Harris and uh, Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry and, like, all these guys all over Twitter, Christian McCaffrey, uh, letting their voices be heard on the disrespect that they feel the running back position is getting these days. So I don't know what you do to to change that because there's no force in owners to to pay you more, especially if they don't feel that that's a position that deserves more. If they think it's a good business decision, some of them will get burned by that, but they have to make what they think is financially right to do and if somebody walks away and he ends up having five or seven or nine more years and ends up being among the greatest ever that's the risk you take and you could you 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 might have your own running backs and the difference might be a couple hundred yards a year compared to what the stud who keeps on playing might get just not the same star power name so major league baseball all-star game last week a record low another record low is one way that it was phrased uh but still remains the most popular all-star game so you can say what you will about uh Baseball's all-star game, whether you're a fan of it or not, amongst the big four, it is still the most popular. Uh, but it did average a record low 3.9 rating, which equated to a little over 7 million viewers. And not much more, even when you included all of the various platforms. It was down 7% from lows that were set a year ago. So now that is five of the past seven years there's been a new low as far as all-star game ratings 
Um, the highest they hit was around 7.5 plus million uh, at one point during that game. Um, but yeah, still by far the most watched event. Second place, the Pro Bowl games, which we know that's been like a different thing mm-hmm. almost every year now, it feels like. Uh, you had uh, that across various networks. Uh, the Home Run Derby is actually the third most watched All-Star event. So baseball strong in the All-Star game market, but their numbers are dipping as well. And then you got the NBA uh, in the, the third place spot as far as their festivities go, which uh, had a little under uh, $4.6 million this past uh, winter. So All-Star game, still the healthiest of its kind, but uh, not pulling in big numbers. And you know what? That's like anything else when it comes to TV ratings, because we'll talk about this during college football season on occasion, but, you know, However you want to read those, like, I throw them out there not for, like, great debate necessarily or, like, this is the death of cable or it's, I just find it interesting to see what's popular and what a lot of people are watching. And, and I'm sure you can attribute some of that drop to streaming. I'm sure there's a good deal of that. But uh, in general, just a, a trend across TV that continues on. I think the baseball all-star game is the best one in that you can't, like, half-ass your way through the game and it not be eight hours long. Right. Yeah. So... You actually have to pitch and hit and field. and field. You can't do what the NBA All-Star game does. It's like, okay, for 48 minutes, we're just going to kind of jog well, up and down the play, court. We're going to play no defense for 44 minutes and then all of a sudden get serious at the end. Yeah. You can't, like, in, with the NFL, you know, all the, you know, by the time the Pro Bowl runs around, if you're a fan and you voted for the Pro Bowl, half of the team is not going to be there because they're going to opt out because of this injury and that injury. So nobody you voted for is there. And uh, then you're going to watch it with, oh, my God, this, you know, this guy's going to get hurt and he's not going to be there for next year. And so there's all this worry that goes with the Pro Bowl. And then they have the weird games thing, which is better now, but even still. At least baseball, the all-star game is a, is a game. Yeah. And so it stays there. But, again, it, it's probably lost its luster just like baseball has. If you're has. up to bat and you're in a game, Nationally. whether up 6-1 to one or down 2-1 to one or whatever, you're not going to, like, just go swing three times lazily at three pitches. You're going to want to get a hit. I mean, it's a big deal. In the way that it's set up and the way the game is played, it's hard to just kind of mail it in. Yeah, there, uh, this reminds me, it's very loosely affiliated, but I remember there was this idea in high school to raise money for a trip, and the idea was to play a 100-inning game, and we basically did it on a Saturday, and it was inter-squad, and it sounds cool, and they raised money, and everybody got to go to Florida. It was a terrible idea, because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, dude, that's a 100-inning game. Like, by, by, like, inning 20, which is four hours in, and you've got another eighty. Like, yeah, I was swinging at pitches to strike out on tension. Like, that's that's a scenario where you would you would do that. But other than that, yeah, there's not really a whole at lot Cocoa of ways. Beach to, is that what uh, you talking about? The one the trip to Florida. Yeah, that was to set up the trip yeah, to Florida. Okay, um, but yeah, we played a 100 inning game. But that that is a scenario where I did absolutely go up there and, and intentionally try to ground out to first base as quickly as possible to just keep this thing rolling on along. But walk over to the catch and be like, hey, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna bunt this ball and then I'm gonna fall down. Yeah, I mean, it was get up. finding creative <laughs> ways it, to make it look good. <laughs> yeah, to fly through 100 innings. That was, that was not the most genius idea in, the, in, the, in hindsight, and that took uh, pretty much the entire day. All right, uh, final things here. A couple of TV notes. Uh, the Netflix series Quarterback, which has featured uh, Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins and Marcus Mariota. Uh, maybe you've watched it already. I know that uh, 
uh, I have not yet caught an episode uh, in full, but I've seen parts of one. I know several people have already started uh, getting right into it and have really enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed the parts that I've seen, but it's already been a success because it's been picked up for a second year. Uh, Netflix officially announcing that they've renewed a quarterback for a second season. I haven't seen anything on as far as like the cast and you know whether guys would come back. Um, you know, at least the current cast with you know particularly Mahomes. Um, but it has been uh, an enjoyable watch. Have you watched it, Paul? I mean, you watched pretty much everything. No, I've not seen it yet. Um, I, I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, you know, I've heard it's. Uh, I've heard mixed reviews on it, and okay. that you know, some people liked it. Some people thought it was kind of a slog to get through and a little bit long. Okay. So I've I'll, seen. I've seen like, hey, how could you, a lot of respect for Kirk Cousins? You yeah. know, just how he is as a family man. Um, a lot of people just, I guess. Eyes open to Patrick Mahomes, got a bit of a dirty mouth. Uh, you know, he's throwing little cuss words out. And uh, that was something I just had somebody said that they were surprised by. And, um, uh, yeah, it's been picked up for a second season. So I'm uh, not sure on the cast or crew and, and how that's going to go. Meanwhile, uh, HBO NFL Films announcing Hard Knocks with the Jets uh, will be coming on uh, August the 8th. It took a long time to announce a team that was going to take part in this. And after all is said and done, it will be the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers now in tow Tuesday, August the 8th on HBO. So get ready for that. That ought to be interesting. And, and they took forever to name a team. With, to- with restricted access, though. They're, the Jets are shutting that down a little bit. I think that's to make Aaron happy because he was... He so was, he's not going to play. He was he's ap- not no, going to play along. He was apoplectic about it. Because I think he'd be great. Somebody I, somebody asked him at the golf tournament. Said, "Yeah, they're going to be there." Of course, nobody wants to do it. Nobody likes hard knocks. You know, it's it's a big pain. So, I mean, I'm sure he'll play along. He likes he likes the attention more than he he likes the attention, but likes to pretend like he doesn't like the attention. Right. That's yeah. that's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know. Oh, you know the Kardashian. Like, oh, why are the paparazzi here? Because you told them you'd be here. That's why they're here. I mean, yeah. You know, like that's that's the kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, he'll play along to a certain degree, but I do think that he did say, "Look, I'll I'll agree to this, but you're not going everywhere you normally go." Yeah, he'd so be great the, if they let him, if they let him in. So there you have it, New York Jets on Hard Knocks, and there's a few things off the radar. All right, Craig, a lot more than I thought. A bunch, in fact. And coming up next, Ross Dellinger, uh, who's the one that mentioned first the Pac-12 would not announce their media deal coming up when their Pac-12 media days begin in Vegas. What else has he learned since that time? And this is 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza, we just had a couple of them delivered earlier today to our uh, studio, thanks to uh, what they do. Bob Mock, the owner, owns five locations in the Waco area. Used to be none, and it wasn't that long ago, and now there are five in Bellmead, China Spring, Hewitt, Robinson, and also in Woodway. So I called them on the way to the studio, two large pizzas, thin crust, pepperoni on one, and then sausage and uh, all the meat on another one. And it was here in like less than 30 minutes Tipped the driver. He was great. And then they, of course, went on to delivering other pizzas for everyone else. Five locations. Marco's Pizza. Go to Marcos.com for all the specials you can order online. You can pick it up yourself at one of their five locations, or they can deliver it to you. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. 
Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat. How crazy is this? 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport totals values of 4000 plus 1.9% financing for 72 months. How crazy is that? Or the 2023 Jeep Compass get 10% below MSRP. That's right. These deals are hot just like our summer days in Texas. Remember, first responders get another $500 in savings. So come find the Jeep that's right for you and say big at Alan Samuels in Waco. Make this the summer sales event at Alan Samuels during the hot days of summer. And this month in July, get legendary 2023 Dodge Chargers or Challengers, SXT, GT, or RT models. Your choice with total values up to $2,000. Alan Samuels in Waco is the place for you to shop for your next Dodge. Shop the greatest selection in Central Texas and find the hot rod for you. Come by and visit the showroom at Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. See the demons and scat packs they have loaded the sales floor with. They won't last long as you truly have the last call models of legendary muscle cars only at Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, Loop 340 East of 84. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick them, Bears. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. WacoCustomMarketplace.com When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
Fred Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way, financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Good friend of the show, Ross Dellinger. He is now at Yahoo Sports, and it didn't take him long to have a story from today, SEC Media Days, where he has been. Not that this is the only one. Pac-12 will not announce new TV deal at Media Days in Vegas this week. He joins us on 365 Sports. Ross, thank you for your time. Did When you heard that or the source spoke with you about that, did that surprise you there would be nothing at least concrete? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised by anything uh, anymore when it comes to this situation with uh, the Pac-12 TV deal. Um, nothing really surprises me, but I did it. I did kind of expect um, something this week, uh, maybe a formal announcement at Media Day, or maybe um, uh, just more concrete, yeah, news around the TV deal, other than. You know, it's not happening this week, um, and that's that. Um, it sounds like it's close, maybe closer than it's been in, in the past, but, but we've heard deadlines uh, put out there by, you know, on the record by conference presidents, and they have not been met. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to really believe about this situation, and nothing really surprises me, but the bottom line is there will be more waiting um, for a Pac-12 TV deal. Do you feel that the optimism that they kind of float out there is legitimate or is that, I mean, they've been kind of doing that the whole time and we're still here and it's not going to be until, you know, at least two more weeks from now before we hear anything. Yeah, it's tough to, to say. I mean, um, you know, if you were probably in their position, if we were in their position, uh, I could understand the way they're approaching this and, and wanting to, give off as much uh, optimism and positivity as, as possible. And that's what they've, they've been doing. Um, uh, you know, if it isn't a positive outcome, uh, I would think there'll be a lot of um, egg on faces uh, on people maybe in that conference in general, um, you know, namely right. The, the conference leadership. Uh, but, they they are all singing kind of the tune of they're together and intact and they're going to stay that way and they're going to have a TV deal that's going to be good enough to keep everyone together. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, like I said earlier, this situation um, is one of the kind of most bizarre um, that I've encountered in college athletics. When you, when you lump in the, the big 10, big 12, um, pursuit of some Pac-12 teams and kind of the agendas by this league and that league. And it's been kind of hard to parse through 
exactly what's happening. Um, so I, I tried to keep that story today nuts and bolts of, hey, uh, a, a deal is, is not going to be announced this week. Um, they believe it's getting close and in the near future will be announced and they're preaching positivity. Uh, but but I, I it's hard. It's hard to kind of um, to believe anything right now you hear about the situation. Well, Ross, that uh, that angle you're taking and doing that is is much appreciated by a lot of people. My, I think I speak for for quite a few folks because I know it is easy uh, to just run with whatever rumor and blow it up and and just do whatever to get attention. That that certainly can be done, but uh, you are just sticking to meat and potatoes and the actual facts. And I think everybody, uh, there, or there's at least a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people that do appreciate that. Uh, having having said that, if you could be up there uh, on Friday and, and ask. George Klyovkov, one question uh, regarding this entire saga. What question would you ask George Klyovkov? <laughs> uh, man, um, I uh, gosh, I, I I would hesitate to ask him anything about the TV deal because the response you're going to get is is a a non-answer, mm. you know. Um, if you were to um, inject truth serum in him and get one question, um, I would I would ask who, what network outlet, media outlet, whatever you want to call them, broadcast outlet is who like who are you talking to? You know who, what are the top couple that you're you're, you're speaking to and negotiating with specifically? What who will be or who do you expect to be your primary? broadcasting partner um and that's that's been a hard question to to answer and I, I wrote about it a little bit in that story we know that you know ESPN and Fox NBC and CBS have all done deals recently with power five conferences uh, they're in the big 12 right signed on with Fox and ESPN big 10 did CBS and NBC and, and Fox and, and SEC's with ESPN um and then you have the Apple and Amazons that seem to want to get into the game so You'd like to think um, those are some of the outlets or networks involved. Um, but if you speak to people on the TV side, uh, they, they, don't, they don't really confirm that, uh, that, that they're, they're talking deeply um, with the Pac-12. And so it's, I would have I wanted, yeah, I'd want to know what networks that uh, they've identified as potential primary broadcasting. Ross, the, uh, one of the things I think that's also probably hurt them, don't you think, is in some presidents or ADs have, for the last several months, it seems like on multiple occasions, mentioned that they, they have something that, that, they're, that they're close to, and, and it just seems like they're kicking the can down the road? Yeah. You know, there have been a lot of deadlines placed on this deal, uh, and, and I should say not by the commissioner, but but by a couple of different conference presidents, maybe even some um, athletic directors. Uh, I think the last athletic director I saw actually uh, make a comment was uh, Ray Anderson at Arizona State, who actually said this thing could go. I think I, think, I believe he mentioned July or August, you know, this thing could go that deep. Uh, but but we've seen a lot of deadlines placed, and it does put pressure on the the commissioner and the conference, in the conference leadership, you know. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, that's 
probably not wasn't wise of them to set deadlines that they uh, cannot reach. Ross, uh, SEC Media Day is going on right now in, in Nashville. Yesterday, you know, uh, Jimbo Fisher kind of got a lot of the attention because of um, not really directly answering any questions about Bobby Petrino. What's your your read on this overall about what he's what the message he's trying to get across there when asked those questions? Yeah, it's hard to kind of figure out exactly what's uh, going on there in uh, in College Station. You've uh, you've got some pretty big uh, personalities involved with Jimbo Fisher and, and Bobby Petrino, two kind of offensive-minded uh, guys. Uh, you know, Petrino. We all have to remember it's been a long time since uh, Bobby Petrino um, was an assistant in took orders. So, and Jimbo Fisher didn't really come out clearly in front of the group of media and, and say, hey, he's going to be, he's got full control and going to call the plays. It's probably because he doesn't necessarily have full control. You know, I mean, the read into that would be he doesn't have, have, have necessarily full control of the offense. And Jimbo Fisher will probably very much be involved. Ross, where does your mind go when it comes to, uh, I'm not sure we'll find out in some of your Yahoo work here, but uh, where does your mind kind of go with the SEC media days and, and points of interest for you in particular? Well, you know, NIL was obviously a big topic of day one, and we'll be having something come out uh, on Yahoo tomorrow, uh, just from a sit-down with Greg Sankey we had about NIL and the state of NIL and, and maybe the uh, – the future right now in, uh, in, in college athletics and where we're heading, you know, and well, that's always a big topic on my mind. Obviously tomorrow is Alabama and Nick Saban will be here. Uh, right. And that'll be uh, quite a spectacle. My columnist Dan Wetzel will probably be all over uh, the Alabama angle. Uh, that's always a spectacle here in, in Florida, I believe is tomorrow as well. Um, so two pretty big programs, um, uh, will be coming here to, uh, downtown uh nashville and uh should be a should be a fun day i listened to you the i guess the latest conversation you guys had on, on your podcast about uh the nil discussion and, and greg sinking what he had to say and you pointed out uh, the whole crew did about the fact that the schools are the ncaa and there's like this this weird thing of like uh they're like eating their own tail and what do you think is on the other side of this in terms of the schools are the NCAA, yet they're fighting back against the own rules they implemented to break those rules to have an advantage? So what does that ultimately turn into? Another entity that they control the exact same way that they then break those rules? Or, or like, where does this eventually head, do you think? Well, this is something that a lot of, you know, like just casual college football fans don't really understand. We they. You know, they all want to, um, and we all, in general, want to kind of crush the NCAA and poke, poke fun and poke holes in the NCAA. But the NCAA is, is a voluntary membership organization made up of the schools. And um, the rules that the NCAA enforces, because the NCAA does do a few things itself as a organization there in Indianapolis, it enforces rules made by its members, which are the schools. Uh, and most NCAA committees are made up of athletic administrators, coaches, and school presidents uh, from the school. And uh, so right now, yeah, you, with NIL, you've got a real, a real um, interesting situation popping up. And you've got schools 
that uh, that have created these these NCAA bylaws um, that are encouraging their state lawmakers to create state laws that permit them to violate the same rules that they created uh, in the NCAA within the NCAA. Um, it's getting feels like it's sure getting to a breaking point. Um, and we're getting to a point in Congress where the NCAA is trying to seek help for federal NIL bill to supersede these state laws, uh, where the NCAA is going to have to come up with some kind of backup plan of some sort. And I think that I think they're in the middle of that now. You'll read a little bit more about that maybe tomorrow uh, at Yahoo. Um, but it's it's uh, getting 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 to the breaking point here of uh, the situation. One thing, Ross, and we got to let you go. I know you're busy. Uh, Ross Dellinger now with Yahoo Sports with us on 365 Sports. You released a story about the Pac-12 and others have now followed suit. One of the quotes was that they have new partners coming to the table that weren't there before. Do you believe that? Well, that's one of the things I've heard as well. Um, I have. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, Smokey, the, the, this situation has been – so fragile to deal with. Um, and I, it, it's been hard to sift through a lot that I didn't want to include in there what might be termed um, as kind of speculation, mm-hmm. you know, or bias speculation. So I kind of stayed away from, from quoting that. But I, I have heard that. Um, I, I have heard that from Pac-12 officials. Uh, I just, it's hard believe anything right now with this situation and so uh, i kind of mm-hmm. sidestepped uh mentioning that in my story thanks for making time for us today man congratulations on the opportunity with yahoo sports uh, i knew that wouldn't take long and glad that you're a part of that thanks for your time all right guys thank hey, you ross dellinger yahoosports.com with us on 365 sports uh, here's, here's a couple of notes from those who reported today and ross was the first on the pac-12 and not announcing anything at their Big Twelve, uh, Pac-12 media days on Friday doesn't mean that Klyovkov's going to just completely not mention something. But uh, a Pac-12 source told me the league expects to release details of its media rights deal in the near future. But it will not be announced at the Pac-12 media days. More on ESPN.com. Source said waiting led to more bidders in the conversation. Uh, the near future, next month, by March, by the NCAA tournament, by the spring meetings, by and, – and, and this is not making fun of them. These are facts of timelines that have been brought up by those who are within the Pac-12 administration, whether it, we're talking presidents, ADs of the 12 schools or 10 schools with USC and UCLA on their way out. Yeah, I think uh, there's a tweet out there. Somebody's compiled all the various quotes on when to expect something, and it's like 15 lines deep from a handful of different people, a couple of presidents, you know, various others that have spoken on it. That'll get added to some today, uh, I would imagine. And it's all in their own words. It's not like 365 Sports said that there's a deal coming soon or ESPN said there's – no, it's like Kirk Schultz said there's a deal coming soon. Ray, uh, what's it, Ray Anderson said there's a deal right around the corner. It's like February of 20 – you know, it's – it's all on their own timeline that was created, and I guess maybe it would have been better served, or they would have been better served to just not have said anything at all uh, in hindsight, but that's we're far past that point, so it has uh, added to the fire you know, to some extent, and if anything, created more of an anticipation, whether that was 
deserved or not. Um, regardless of, of whether something was ever close when it started to feel that way or not, like that's the way it kind of all bubbled up and, and um, came across. And so now you have a situation like today where it's just Groundhog Day all over again, and it's just it does make you roll your eyes. And like Ross, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of just BS to sift through um, and a lot of just lying and a lot of just look at me, like just throw something out there. And you know what? Sometimes that might be accurate. <laughs> that because sometimes the guy who's black and white and works for the paper has an agenda as well. You know, so like it's it really is hard to know really what is what uh, at any given moment of, of the story. And I guess you just rely on the people like like Ross. Like if Ross says it, I know pretty pretty dang well that you know it's probably good to run with it. Um, and so you know we wait. And I feel like I've done this segment 15 times already where I've said this exact same thing, but, you know, we the, the, the beat rolls on, and I would just be really disappointed. I've seen, like, there's this one Oregon State fan who's, like, I've just I've seen him now multiple times responding to tweets of people who are, like, having fun with it. And it's like, it's not your job, buddy, to defend Klyovkov's handling or the Pac-12's handling of this. I would imagine for your sake, rather than being mad at Big 12 fan or ACC fan or SEC fan, whoever is having fun on Twitter, like, I would think you'd just be kind of pissed at your own conference that you root for and the fact that we are at a point where, yeah. again, this is still ongoing. So The, the, the finger pointing that a couple of dozen national columnists have it out for the conference is silly. And also the fact that there are thoughts that maybe three or four national col- uh, columnists are like pro-PAC-12. You surely as hell hope in our profession, which I know has changed, you don't have anything pro. We covered the Big 12. We want the best for them. But, man, we've seen, we have sat there and wondered where Baylor would end up. When Nebraska, Colorado left, when A&M and Missouri left, and when Texas and Oklahoma story popped, you, you have that. So you really, you know, it's become a turf war because it's taken so long. And anyone that's reporting something that does it for a living doesn't mean they're trying to, like, railroad a conference. And then again, Twitter, who knows what you might see. But, damn, it, this is, uh, it's like he said, he's never seen anything like it. I'll say it again. If you had told anybody involved last year at Pac-12 Media Days that fast forward one year, you'll be back here again and nothing will have changed Everybody and their mother would be lying to you if you said that wouldn't have been a massive disappointment. I don't care what side of the fence that you're standing on. I don't even care if there is a fence. I just think that that is period. That is that is true. Point blank. Nobody involved would have said, "Yeah, we'll be back here a year later and not have anything to reveal to you." There are people who make lots of money and do really good public relations and give organization strategies that work out really well. There are also those that make a lot of money and are really bad at this, and we've seen it. We saw it here at Baylor. Whoever they were paying to do their PR in 2016 uh, was just essentially robbing them at gunpoint. It was, yeah. it was really bad. Every decision they made was bad. The Pac-12 because is because they were flying by the seat of their pants and petrified of anything they would say. They yeah, were scared. Exactly. So the Pac-12 is not that bad, but the lack of unified messaging among the presidents about the timeline or just the, you know, they had that unity statement back in the spring and all of that, uh, thinking that would be it. Look, sometimes the best thing to do when you really don't know, because genuinely this whole time they haven't known when it was going to be is we will get one when we get one. This is a really strange and, you know, drawn out process. We're trying to do the best thing, you know, 
we were caught flat-footed on USC and UCLA leaving, so we're trying to, you know, just work through it in the best way that's for us. We're all together on this. And then you don't really, well, realignment rumors will be there. At least you don't have this constantly moving goal line because they didn't give you a goal line. Yeah, when that, they released a statement they, and just had stopped their period, everything's fine. But then when Kirk Schultz is doing the interview with the alum and saying, oh, yeah, well, we just met last week and we saw this and it's going to be this. And, and okay, well, that stirs it all back up again yeah. and restarts yeah, the, the clock. Yeah. The message has to be the same from all 10 of you. We are working on it. We have no idea when it'll get done, but we have faith that it will get done. Don't predict it'll be better or worse than the Big yeah, 12's we number. We don't know don't, what it's yeah. going to be. We're not trying to, like, you know, and the best thing would be George Klyoff could be like, is it going to be better than the Big 12? Like, well, we'd love to get that same deal. Yeah. Like, that's a good deal. If we can do better than that, great. If we get the same, great. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Roger Dodger, uh, who's a USC fan, so I'm not sure. Of course, he has the history of the Pac-12, but Pac-12 is criticized for not releasing information and for releasing information. What the heck do you expect the Pac-12 to do? Not give fraudulent timelines or just say something to maybe move it down the road. Be honest about it from the beginning. Now, there are time, times when maybe they felt like they were on the cusp of something. It didn't work out. But it was, a, it was almost as if Commissioner Klyovkov was calling Washington State Schultz or Robbins at Arizona or whoever at Arizona State or someone at Utah and saying, hey, will you just kind of say this and I'll be quoted, like call a, a reporter or a columnist? And I think that was happening. I'm not, this is not, George Klyovkov was given a, a bad deal when he arrived uh, to take over the conference of what Larry Scott did. So a lot of this was well before. But don't say something just to say it because you're kicking the can down the road. If you don't know, say I don't know. I have no idea when this is going to get done. But don't say we'll have something between uh, now and the NCAA tournament. And then, well, we, we, we might have something in March, uh, April. That's what this, this was not created by a bunch of Big 12 reporters or fans. This was created by the Pac-12 and by them always bringing up deadlines, timelines that have not been reached. And when they do, thank God for all of them. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people will be uh, really satisfied when this is over one way or the other. And, and Roger Dodger, your point, I don't expect to, to hear anything. They don't have to answer to me or to any of the people in the, the chat or anything like that. If they had said nothing this entire time, like I'm sure we'd w- be saying like we'd love to have heard something because we hadn't heard anything. But it's, it's not up to us. I mean, it's ultimately up to them. I just think from an outsider's perspective, if you're looking at this and you're hearing the, the various timelines that have been proposed or the assurances from reporters who are very clearly talking to the same people, and we are here a year later, that's what just makes you go like, it has you scratching your head like, what the hell? And with the benefit of the hindsight is what we're operating on as well of like, yeah, maybe it wasn't a good idea to have a unity statement back in February or whenever that was. Like, yeah, we can say that now. At the time, it felt like a deal was coming in two weeks when you released something like that. Not five months later, you've got media days, and you're still not even going to announce anything. That's what, in with the benefit of hindsight in particular, just makes it look silly to look back on now. So, yeah, I mean, do what you got to do and do however you feel you need to do it. And, again, until there isn't a, a deal signed, I mean, there's always the opportunity that it could be end up it could end up better than the Big 12s. None of us know until it's actually signed, sealed, delivered, and made public. But yeah, I mean, I think even they those involved would look back and say, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that Q and A or answered that question. I think Kirk Schultz would say that. I think probably Ray Anderson would say that. 
I'm sure there's probably a couple times where Klyovkov probably, if he could have a do-over, go, you know what, back in, like, March, I should have just said this and then left it at that. So I think part we of do that, that with Greg, everything, I much less part, conference realignment. I think part of that was that the conference, whether it's George Klyovkov or somebody else saying, hey, would you go on record and say some of this? Or would you contact Dennis Dodd, who Pac-12 fans thinks is the devil, or whoever else? Here's what I want to know. How much or how many ADs or presidents in the Big 12 said a word about the fact that they were working on a TV deal, had quotes about it, and then all of a sudden there was an extension? Because I remember when that story came down, we were like, wait, what? That's, that's apples to oranges, though, because we didn't have a need to ask about a TV deal. Their TV deal wasn't coming up anytime soon. So well, there wasn't... it was still there because there was no, a worry about what were they but... going to get losing Texas at Oklahoma. Sure, but it's also wasn't up for another year after this. Not even a year from then, like another year after this right now. So, you know, had we gotten into like these next six months, like or after football, I would imagine after this pet, this next football season, we would have started to go like, okay, what about this this new TV deal? And maybe a little bit beforehand, but yeah, you're, I, I don't think like in two years we're not going to be asking Brett Yormark about the next TV deal because there'll still be time on it. So I, I think it's a little bit of a different scenario, but I understand kind of – you know, your base position of where you're coming from there. No, there were no leaks. There was nothing. And then all of a sudden, poof, there was an extension. They kept it quiet. They got it done from Kim Coulter, Super Chat. What does it say about those of us, me, he's talking about himself, that have their entire day planned around this show? No, it says you're awesome, Kim. It says you're a winner at life. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what they said. It means you are super fan. And we appreciate you for that. We really do. Not everybody in the chat is, but uh, at uh, Roger, uh, Pac-12 has to be positive with negotiations, releasing timelines for hopefully the end of the negotiations is not communicating fraud. The Pac-12 was trying to get it done by the deadlines. Yeah, like, look, I understand the Pac-12 being positive and doing what they have to do, but from the outsider's point of view where we don't have to be that way, it is easy to point and laugh. I'm sorry, but it is. It is when this has been going on as long as it has. And look, it's no different than, you know, uh, the Big 12 in multiple occasions or, you know, any number of other sagas in college football, um, you know, so it, it it's just they're the ones that are in the spotlight right now, and the spotlight has been on them for a really long time now, it feels like, and so it's made it unique and, and very strange, as, as Ross Dellinger said. All right, uh, it's 539, Paul's top five just around the corner. We mentioned Duke and Baylor men's basketball yesterday that that was going to happen at Madison Square Garden. How about Baylor, Scott Drew, and Tom Izzo possibly meeting up? I would love it. I would love it. At Little Caesars Arena, they're nothing official, but I saw two or three reporters, a couple of them out of Detroit. There are rumblings that Michigan State Hoops has had discussions with Baylor about playing a game at Little Caesars Arena this season. Nothing yet is official. So that's from a reporter that covers Michigan State. Baylor just added Duke, and then all of a sudden the possibility of adding Tom Izzo. Didn't Drew beat Izzo straight up in a one of those – Preseason tournament games, tournament uh, one of those festivity type tournaments. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, th- I believe so. I- I'm almost positive he did. Like in the Virgin Islands or something like that. One of those. Yeah, yeah. Bahamas or something uh, uh, around there. Um, Sir blah 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 is Klyovkov the puppet or the puppeteer? I I will say this again. I've never met the man. I'm sure he's brilliant. He surely is doing pretty well in his career. 
He walked in the door, perhaps he should have, or his agent, done a little bit more due diligence about some of the things he was walking into. Uh, There was timing. There was the Big 12 acting early. There was USC and Oklahoma, or USC and and UCLA walking out the door, just like Bowlesby gets slammed for allowing Texas and OU to leave and not know about it. At least, though, he reacted pretty quickly with adding the four schools And yet the Big 12, as Craig mentioned at the time, was not going through a TV deal change. But they had to react quickly, and they did with the four incoming schools. I just just wonder if George Klyovkov was not the right guy at the right time, and they didn't didn't foresee that. And and look, I don't think – I think he's probably pretty good at a lot of other aspects of the job, but for these two things to intersect, and then having to deal with what he's dealing with, which I do think that the presidents are a bigger problem than George Klyovkov because I do think that they are – having a hard time letting go of what they were compared to what they are, which when you hear a lot of them talk, you you hear them talking like, okay, look, you, you guys do know that USC and UCLA are gone, right? Because sometimes I hear that and it's like they forgot that little detail in all of this. Uh, and so I do think that it's probably not fair. We don't know. And we won't know until the end of this TV deal. But he was handed, he walked into a mess, and I don't think he was um, – ready for a lot of things that were coming because no one was and he got caught super flat-footed on two things one the big 12 well one usc and ucla and two the big 12 cut in line in his mind and and went and got the tv deal yeah i don't know if it's as black and white as puppeteer and um the puppet itself i think it might be a little bit more gray than that but uh, if anybody's pulling the strings though it's the athletic directors uh, and the schools not kleofkoff he might pull the strings in certain negotiations with a TV network, um, but ultimately he's acting on behalf as an athletic director of the president. Excuse me, as commissioner, at, he's acting on the part of the athletic directors, the athletic departments, the universities. So, yeah, he is definitely. I don't know if he's you know getting all the strings pulled. I think he's pulling a couple himself when need be. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely not the puppeteer. That's for sure. Yeah, the, the, the words, the terms, are quotes from sources about a layup, uh, final stages. Next couple of weeks. Those were the comments that nothing really. imminent. Those were the comments that were like the ones that, that added the fuel. And that's where I think you see a lot of the uh, the back and forth springs from a lot of those types of the comments of the, you know, layup and, and, and that type of thing. So that's where some of it comes from for sure. And then some of it's just, you know, this nasty little rivalry between two conferences that's developed as a result of all these things. But, um, you know, that that's, that's going to be the biggest slam dunk here in few weeks, few months on the part of some people out on the West Coast to throw all this back in the face of a bunch of people and the rest of the country, or that's just going to get hammered home even further, the layup quote, or the easily beat the Big 12 quote, and all that's going to get thrown back in the other side's face. And and I'm here for it. Whichever direction that goes, I I can't wait to just know what that end result is. I can't wait. I I really can't. And God bless them if they can come up with something that is unique and also something that gives everybody the money they want. And keep everybody together because, by God, uh, eventually there's going to be games starting in September where that does take the back seat. Now, one of the other problems has been the offseason. Yeah, there's recruiting, national signing days, things like that, but it has been uh, the offseason during most of these negotiations. All right, when we come back, Paul Catalina and his top five. This is 365 Sports. 
Don Shimador and Coffee Beans in the Town West Shopping Center off Richland Drive and also Valley Mills. I was there the other day to get some cigars for when I play golf on the weekends, and I have not played the last couple of Thursdays. Won't play Thursday morning because of my dentist appointment, but I do go by there to pick up cigars for the weekend for me to smoke, and sometimes, most of the time, I'm going to get the longer Churchill-length cigars. Uh, Oliva is something that I was able to get a couple of. Perdomo is one. They don't have the Churchill length, but a very smooth cigar. And then, of course, Ashton Macanudo. There's the Rocky Patel La Fontana. Rocky Patel is uh, unbelievable. So many different type of selections you have when it comes to what cigars you want. My favorite has been, from the beginning, the Rocky Patel Torpedo Edge Light. And then there's other Rocky Patel type uh, cigars, different types of names for them. What an unbelievable company and what they've done over many, many years. Rocky Patel Torpedo Edge Light was one of the first ones that I ever started to smoke. I think uh, uh, Arturo Fuente was another one, Churchill Length. I like that one. It's Don Shimador and Coffee Beans, CBD products. If you struggle at night falling asleep, they have that. And, of course, the torch lighters if you want to light the cigar and the humidors to put them in. Don Shimador Coffee Beans just off Richland's in Valley Mills in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Shine bright. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, that's TexasBeefHouse.com. Everyone, when they think of Wagyu, the first thing they think about is beef, and that's obviously what you guys specialize in, and you raise it right there from your pasture to the customer. The fillets, you have ribeyes, you have New York strips. I've tried them all. These are always available, correct, by ordering online? Yes, everything's available, TexasBeefHouse.com. You can order one package of steaks up to as many packages of you as you want all the steaks come two steaks per package we've got new york strip fillets the fillets are so tender you can almost cut them with a fork ribeyes we've got top sirloin and we've got regular sirloin and even flat iron flat iron flank steak and flap steak they're all great oh that sounds great fajita meat yes we've got skirt steak and flank steak that we use for fajita meat samantha duvall is the marketing director with aaron duvall of course in the duvall family what they've done family owned operated and they run texasbeefhouse.com unleash the flavor of texas raised wagyu not just steaks but also so much more from our pasture to your plate texasbeefhouse.com let camille johnson realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one commercial farm and ranch or residential camille johnson realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction with a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you camille johnson realtors services the entire greater waco area if you're in the market to buy or sell contact camille johnson realtors 104 midway center in woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com camille johnson realtors elegant charming warm welcome home Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. 
U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five things UCF must do to win the Big 12. Before I get to this, I'm going to shout out our internet partners at UPN, Turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Was that the one I picked up, that Turbocharged? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I did. Yeah, we worked it. That was good. That was a good brainstorming session because I had no idea how to say that other than uh, a way everybody says other things. Uh, So Unite Private Networks, if you're – we're not buffering. We've had – Great to say, Garrett, uh, his life has been way much significantly so much easier since Unite Private Networks came in. So if your business needs high-speed internet, and I'm talking high, high-speed internet, uh, they are amazing. So go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com. They are keeping us on the air and out of the antacid for sure uh, since they've come up, come aboard uh, you about know that, three that weeks ago. You know, that hasn't happened, that swirling little circle that you know, like, oh, damn. Yeah, when yep, you're on your gone. own private network like we are with nobody else you know down the street downloading mm-hmm. um whatever they're doing down there then it's great not to have that but top five things ucf must do to win the big 12 number five keep plumly healthy i did this um the same topic was part of another top five that you know best seasons but yeah they gotta keep uh, john rice plumly healthy uh, he is going to be their big x factor in making the biggest jump in the year of, of getting into this conference uh, if he's not and look i'm sure they're confident in their backup but he's a special player and ucf and houston and cincinnati um And BYU need to make sure that all their special players stay healthy and being special for 12 games if they want a chance to win the league. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a ton of experience behind him. This is not like last year, um, you know, where you had, what, Mikey Keene, 
you know, available, and he got a lot of the snaps. So I don't know who their their next man up right away is, but I know they've got you know some redshirt freshmen, like that that type of you know gathering of guys that could spell Plumley. And if I'm missing somebody obvious, then by all means, Knights fans, let me know in the comments. But regardless, if he if Plumley goes down, I don't I don't know, you know. Uh, if they've got anybody back there ready to go that just keeps the ship upright no matter who who's in that room. So he's very important. He's their face. He's, um, you know, the guy who's going to be the, the motor and uh, the engine for them. And he's an awfully dangerous playmaker in a good kind of way at times, but also has injury concerns that uh, you have to be, you know, aware of and, and be ready for. So uh, hopefully they prepare. They've planned accordingly just in the case that he is out. But uh, hopefully, most of all, he's not – hurt at all and he can go out there and just have a big banner year in the first season of the big 12 because he's a fun player to watch and he can help them win some games number four find some depth look this is going to be a and i'm not saying they don't have some but they're going to have to find some that they didn't maybe even know that they had because the attrition in the big 12 is going to be worse than it is in the aac uh just a fact of life of moving into the power five you're going to have to have guys step up that you did not expect and the teams that win are the ones that have the depth that can overcome those things so we don't know where UCF is right now depth wise as they head into the big 12 because they don't really probably have a great you know grasp on that because they've got to see themselves get through a season but if they want to win the big 12 they're going to have to find some depth in some places they maybe didn't know they had it yeah, I, I'm starting to wonder like how much um, of a transition there is versus a few years ago when you were having teams like West Virginia and TCU coming in. It's the probably league. less. I would. I think. think it's definitely less at this point. Like you don't have to have the defensive lineman the way you quite had to have them maybe when the league was status quo. But I do think there is an element to the depth part of it, and uh, particularly on those lines, I think that that's something that just takes time. I don't know that even in the portal area you can just do that overnight and come away not only with quantity but quality as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's an area um, depth where you immediately go to when you're, you're making a move like this. And, yeah, like I said, maybe it's not as much of an adjustment as it was for schools that have come in, you know, in, in years past because the game's just a bit different. The Big 12's a bit different than it was. Uh, but there's still going to be some adjustment, and I think it especially with the big guys. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, make big plays on special teams. I, I think that – I mean, this is could be the case for anyone, but I think for a team like UCF to sneak up on people and <laughs> get some of those big wins, especially in the places they have to go, um, they've got to go to Tech, they've got to go to Norman – places they're going to be really tough to win, they're going to have to block some punts. They're going to have to bring some kickbacks a lot. Uh, they're going to have to, when you get that game where you can't believe that you're lining up to kick a, a 45-yard field goal to win it on the road, you better make that damn kick. Like that, If you want to win the league, you got to make those kicks. They were 14 of 15, I believe, last year kicking field goals. Yeah, so you got to keep doing that. And you, it, it's, not, it's the field goals. It's those, 14 of 17. Boomer, what a great name, uh, was 14 of 15 um, with a long of 43 yards. Yeah, but they've got to do all that. They, look, you can't have bad kickoffs. You can't have bad punch. You have to. Those are the things that are going to make the difference, especially for a team that is just on the cusp of the outside looking into maybe contending for this league is changing some games and some close ones because you blocked a kick or returned one and now put the team back on its heels. 
beamer ball, so to speak, a little bit. Yeah, find ways to win where you can find them. Um, yeah, if you're not as talented as everybody else or as deep as everybody else or whatever you aren't as much as anybody else, find ways to win, and Virginia Tech did that for the longest. And, yeah, that's certain, That's how Matt Rule's going to go about trying to win in Nebraska. He's mm-hmm. not going to win by just running it up people's guts. He's not going to just have an exceptional turnover ratio. They're going to win some games, probably one or two, based on like a blocked field goal or a kickback or a return. Um, I, I'd be willing to – I don't want to say I'd be willing to bet on don't that. Get my I know somebody up. would immediately go like, I'll bet you, but I, I have a very strong feelings that that's probably what will happen what, for them this year. What's yeah. Ed Foley's job on that no, staff right. Absolutely, is to do those things? And, and they did. They blocked field goals uh, when that 2019 team – and right there you saw that before then – uh, they had two punt returns for touchdowns last year, UCF. Yeah. By the way, I'm surprised more teams don't embrace the even the old-school Beamer ball because if you look back at some of those Virginia Tech teams, they were gloriously boring on offense. And, and that's not a knock on Frank Beamer, but they would win some games 17-3, to and their touchdown was a two-yard play that came after a blocked punt that rolled out of bounds. And that's just because that's what they did. And it may be a better way to go about it. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't work in the modern context as much. But I've said this, I'm and a you special guys have teams heard me. lover, as you know. I love it. Great teams who have great special teams are really good ones. They're, they're almost unbeatable. It, you have an average team that is really good on special teams with a hidden yardage, a block punt, whatever, run back a punt. Then you are playing at an 8-9 win season rather than just trying to get into a bowl game. Look, there was a time in my life where Sebastian Janikowski could have called me up and said, hey, I need you to make something go away from me. And I would have been like, yeah. you tell me where I need I to be. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> yeah. You would have done that too. Yeah. I need, you need to make something go away from me. No problem. You tell me where I need to be. I'll have some guys. Number two. Uh, win in very tough road environments. I already mentioned it earlier, but the two that hop out to me on their schedule that is going to be the biggest probably adjustment for them will be Tech and Oklahoma. Um, is I don't care uh, what Oklahoma was last year. I don't know what they're going to be this year, but Norman is not a place where you roll into and think, this is going to be a fun day. <laughs> like You know it's going to be tough. Uh, Texas Tech is... Uh, it's always been a tough place to play, but now people kind of know about it, and now the fans have embraced the fact that people know about that it. people know about it, and they pride factor. Well, they, yeah, they also look. I'm pay, if I'm on the road and I'm paying tickets to come to the show, I want to hear the band play all the hit songs. Mm-hmm. And the Texas Tech fans' hit songs are tortillas everywhere and loud and crazy, especially if that game winds up at night. You never know what's going to happen in Lubbock. It's a it's a really really tough road environment. Yeah, but uh, we saw one team walk in there and just punch them in the mouth yeah. and make them like it at their own place. So it's not impossible to do, and it, there's probably few things that are as gratifying as walking into somebody's heated home stadium, punch them in the mouth, and making them go quiet, right? So, yeah, if UCF wants to make a huge impact, roll into venues like that and and, and go about your business that way, and uh, you'll not only impress some folks and make some new fans, but you'll walk away with some big wins potentially. So, yeah, you just got to go in there not, not uh, defeated already or not psyched out, and don't let – you know all the the fan uh, the pandemonium and the fandom like you know get to you. I know it's easier said than done, but you be ready because yeah, there's going to be some spots that are pretty hot. And I know that they've you know played in some good uh, venues and whatnot previously, but uh, there's probably a little bit of a step up compared to the tours of the American Athletic Conference, and and those two in particular will be fun to see how they uh, you know adapt to those environments. You know, it's one thing we think we know a lot about the incoming schools, maybe more about Brigham Young because we've seen them the last two years, a little bit about UCF or Cincinnati and obviously Houston proximity, 
But we really are going to be learning quite a bit about more of them as far as their history, winning on the road or not. UCF last year lost, uh, what, five games. They lost at home to Louisville. They lost at East Carolina. They lost against Navy, which was shocking. And then also they lost in the bowl game against Duke. So they had the one bad loss on the road to East Carolina. They were beaten 34-13. And number one. Withstand the beating of the schedule. You will not have, I mean, look, Craig made the point earlier, and it's very valid and true that it's probably not as hard as it used to be, but you are transitioning to a conference that you are not going to have the same kind of, we can have a, you know, you know, three quarter zombie walkthrough of this game and then turn it on and win at the end. Uh, That's not the case as you're moving in. And that's the case. This is probably going to be, on all four of the incoming teams, look, you've got to withstand the beating of the schedule. That's true for all the teams that are in it, but it's new for the teams that are coming into the league of this is your week-to-week schedule on and on and on and on. Uh, so you can't have one of those things where nothing's working and you're kind of working through it, but the team you're playing is, you know, well. Eh. All right, in 2017 when they ran the table, they played one ranked team. They played Memphis and they played Auburn and won both those games to end up the year. In 2000, and this is not any way a direct shot at UCF, but I'm looking against ranked teams and the Big 12 is always going to have three to five teams ranked. In 2018, they had one team Cincinnati until they played LSU. So the number of ranked teams, they have not had many of them on their schedule. In 2019, they did not play a single ranked team. That does, it's not their fault. Some teams just didn't have a very good year to get ranked, but they're going to most likely play three to five teams that are ranked this year within the Big 12 schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's going to get dialed up a little bit. I mean, let's not pretend like they're walking into, like, it's Georgia week one, Alabama no. week two. Yep. Uh, you know, I, let's let's be somewhat realistic about it, but it is a step up, and there will be more ranked teams on their schedule. Um, there will be than they've been accustomed to. I don't know what 2020 beyond has looked like, but – uh, yeah, 2018, 19, if those are examples of how it's kind of been status quo, then they're going to see an escalation there. And I think uh, nobody, guys, is more well aware of those things than those teams walking in because mm-hmm. whether they've found it out themselves through just experience or through looking into what they need to do to get better, uh, they've been hammered over the head by everybody telling them what they're about to experience, sure. I think, as well. So um, it will be challenging. There will be bumps in the road for all four, but I think they're going to come in as well-equipped as any newcomers have because of just the state of the league and the transfer portal and the state of college football right now. But there will be some bumps and, and some things to learn from for sure. All right, TCU came into the Big 12 in 2012. Two years prior, they were unbeaten, went to the Rose Bowl. They were 7-6, and six, but I tell you what, they were right in the mix. In 2014, with those great games, that game with Baylor, both teams very much playoff worthy, but they they just couldn't get in because of data points. And if they haven't been studying up, then watch Paul's top five again and hit the the high points of what you need to do. I mean, that's the thing is winning on the road, just tougher road environments, you know, slightly tougher teams, just more of a of a juggernaut, I guess, overall in the teams you're playing week after week. But I'm very curious to see. Um, you know, what surprises these schools may have up their sleeves. Or I'll be, you know, interested to see if they walk in and all four of them are like, damn, like this was – we weren't quite ready for this just yet. I, I just can't wait to see it all. Yep, and uh, again, UCF Knights 
Uh, Paul's top five, again, we appreciate it. And, and I think they're as much as anybody prepared for the incoming of the Big 12 as anybody else, including even uh, Brigham Young. For Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, Jack McKenzie, also with uh, Graham Bronstein, who kind of was talking a little bit today with Emory and Levi working remotely. He predicted but doing M- their deal to win the uh, East, Mizzou, right? the Tigers go 12-1. and one. Uh, Also, Garrett Ross, whose job apparently is too easy. Because of UPN? Yeah, United Private Networks. I mean, we need to find a new way to give Garrett, um, you know, stress. Thank you to yep. all of you in the chat room. All of you, even when we disagree, I'm David Smoke. For our incredible sponsors, back at it again tomorrow at 3 Central. And this is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI. 